Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lost with Friends. As always, I'm your host, Paul, and I have some guys on here who they made it quite the impact the last time, and they have been bugging the Nikki and Paolo out of me to get back on the show. So go ahead and introduce yourselves, guys. Hey, I'm Andy. And yeah, I'm from England. Exactly the same thing I said last time. <laughs> Hi, I'm Arthur. I'm Andy's younger brother. I'm from England as well. And I'm Andrew. I was obviously on last time with Andy, and uh, I'm also from England. We got Andy, Andrew, and Arthur is joining us for the first time. Welcome, Arthur, to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've listened to quite a few of the podcasts. They're uh, very good. Thank you. Kiss ass. <laughs> that's okay we 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 like that here we like that here <laughs> he's never listened um, to any of them oh I, I have you know i went i i listened to the latest one earlier today actually I oh is it I, I, is it with that with jake i i did listen to one with jake yeah 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 he's pretty good to be fair yeah i he'll love that because he he was one of the guys who messaged me uh, along with you guys messaging me a bunch of times, when are we going to be back on, Paul? When are we going to be back on, Paul? Uh, he was one of a few people to message me and go, these guys are really good. You need to have them back on the show. So I was like, I guess I have to have them if everybody wants them. <laughs> no, no, these guys know that I like them and enjoy talking with them. Um, so we there was a little bit of a debate as to which episode we were going to be doing, but when the you know when everything was all settled, I knew that it'd have to be one for Andrew especially a heavy Desmond episode. He loves yes. he loves the man, so why not give him the introductory episode? We're going to be talking about Man of Science, Man of Faith, the season two premiere. I don't think I've uh, probably seen any episode more times than this one. I think this one and the season two finale are probably the episodes I've seen the most. Really? I think so. Or maybe the I, pilot. I absolutely love this one. I agree with Andy on this. I've, I've seen this one so many times. It's probably one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Definitely. So the, the first time I watched this episode, because um, obviously it was in England when it aired later, uh, I, was just, I was trying to think, when did, when did I watch this episode when I was taking my notes? And it was... Um, so this was before I knew how to torrent. And like season one was still going on on Channel Which, 4. by the way, we we do not advocate on this show, of course, because that is illegal. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you do what you have to when England are a year behind <laughs> the Americans. So <laughs> let me off that one. Um, and so I think season one on Channel 4 was probably only on about episode six or seven when it started airing in September yeah, on ABC. And yeah, I, I actually bought the first episode off eBay for about three pounds and then it arrived a couple of days later um and i did, did that for about the first four episodes i think until i understood how to torrent you can bleep that out if you want paul um and then from then on i just torrented every episode which again we do not advocate but sometimes <laughs> you maybe have to do what you have to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> um now, uh, Arthur, we heard last time how uh, Andy said that he got into it and, you know, he got his brothers into it. Is, is your story about the same? Did you guys get into it about the same time? I don't quite remember how the timeline went with that. It's slightly different because, I mean, Andy was ahead of, the, ahead, of, ahead of me. I mean, I think I sat down and watched a bit of the first episode with him when we were on holiday. Um, but then after that, I kind of didn't think two things about it for a while but Andy was upstairs in his room watching loads of episodes and I'm pretty sure I, I got into it again when 
he had quite a few friends around and they were doing a lost marathon so they had so they had a few friends around and they were watching the first season it might have even been in the middle of season two or whatever so they just watched all of lost back to back and then I, I probably went up and i watched quite a few episodes with them and i got hooked on it from there oh okay Oh, so Andy was up in his room watching Lost with Shannon on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably for about the, the fifth time. I don't know. Probably not that much, but yeah. <laughs> that's never going. I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to. <laughs> that was actually yeah, a funny I... thing because obviously we were. Uh, I was around like between 12 and 16 for the most part when I was like loving Lost. And yeah, we would, we would do Lost marathons, me and my friends. Uh, I probably did two or three um, with different groups of people. And we'd basically try and we'd start from the pilot and see how many episodes we could watch in one sitting without falling asleep. Uh, I think the most we ever got to was about season three, episode four or five. I'm not sure how many hours of television that was, but it was basically about, if we would have started about 10 in the morning, it probably would have gone on to about midnight the next night. I could probably get a bit of a better go now. Wait, you watched from season one all the way through to season three? Season three, I don't remember what episode, what number it is, but Par Avion, the one where, you know, Claire gets the bird thing, yeah. that's the midway point. So if you got there, you got halfway through the series in one uh, sitting. That's pretty yeah, good. I don't, think, I don't think I ever made it that far, but almost. It was like the early season three bits, but yeah, it's... Intense. Wow. Yeah, I need sleep. I can't do that. Yeah, I don't think I do it. <laughs> I've I've never tried. I think I think when we go back to Hawaii, we should try that one time. We could do like a like a a live thing on YouTube of like you know people could watch us watching the episode. <laughs> oh, like Gogglebox. Yeah, the internet is a weird thing nowadays, isn't it? The funny, that sounds so bad, but people would still do watch it. It's it's weird. Um, so today we will be talking about Man of Science, Man of Faith, as I, as I said, the season uh, two premiere. And, um, if we don't have anything else, I think we should just get right into the discussion. Sure. Go. Okay. Um, so my notes, I have the very first thing is the soon to be familiar beep. We just hear that beeping sound. Um, you know that's taken. You know that's taken from a uh, from a checkout in a supermarket. Yeah. Oh really? Did not know that. Yeah. Um. Then we see an eye opening, a computer screen, very old looking, with what looks to be like a command line interface thing. I don't know. Uh. Then a so, man yeah. getting. Out- I was just gonna go, go from there. That obviously I'm a computery person. Um. I actually had a look at this because I was interested. It's an Apple II computer, um, 8-bit home computer, designed by Steve Wozniacki and released in 1977, which is obviously the same year as the incident. Um, And it was the first ever personal computer released by Apple. Um, And its introductory price was $1,298, which is equivalent to $5,130 today. I just thought that was interesting. No, I like. I mean, no, I know it. <laughs> I'm I'm an Apple guy, so I mean, of course, I find that interesting. But I, I like the fact that it is the one from the same year as the incident, though. Yeah. Um, 
We see the man getting out of the top bunk. That's Andrew's Andrew's guy right there. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm so happy when he comes. He's, he's here now. He's here. The best character of the whole show. <laughs> I was. Who, who else thought it was Sawyer? The no. first time they watched it. The first time they watched it. I'm pretty sure I thought it was Sawyer. I probably thought I was watching the wrong TV show, actually, when I started watching it until about two minutes, two minutes until the the explosion happens on the top and then you actually realise that you are watching Lost because it's like nothing you've seen before in Lost you, you just don't know what, what it is Yeah, I would agree with. with that actually Yeah, I have to agree with that too That's and I actually have that as one of my notes later on is the fact that uh, this seems to be I mean, yeah, technically the pilot but we didn't know anything about the pilot then but the fact that like almost every um, season premiere gives you just that jarring thing of like am i watching the right tv show something doesn't seem right here because it's like a character maybe we don't know or whatever Mm. um oh crap uh okay so we see him we get now he rolls he hops onto the chair and rolls over to the old computer he inputs something each followed by a space bar stroke which if i'm not mistaken is different than every other time they do it in the series it's just they just put in the numbers one by one and then hit uh execute which is the key that he hits um and the fact that he hops right out of bed onto the chair and rolls right over there in like 2 seconds which definitely a different design to the hatch than we see because you know spoiler spoiler folks it's the hatch um but it's definitely a different design in that opening bit than we see later on even in this episode and then he goes over to a shelf with some records on it next to a lava lamp picks out a record and uh Hits another uh, soon-to-be-familiar sound to all Losties. Make your own kind of music by Mama Cass Elliot. Um, I I really like this song, but I'm pretty sure Andy once said that it's not not one of his top songs. Is that true, Andy? It's not one of my top Lost songs, to be honest, but it is a banging tune just because of the moment in Lost. It's played in the hatch here and obviously later in the episode. It is so fitting. I love the fact that you describe it as a banging tune. <laughs> banging tune, yeah. <laughs> that was actually in my notes. Uh, bear in mind, probably in my mind, because I actually watched this episode on a Saturday night after I'd um, been out the night before to a techno night in Prague, Czech Republic, and hadn't got home till five, five in the morning. So I was a bit hungover watching this episode. But... <laughs> <laughs> um. And then as the song plays, he just seems to go about a regular routine. He's cleaning dishes, riding a stationary bike, doing other workout things, showering. I wonder how much Andrew liked that part. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Was that a bit banter there, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's making a smoothie. And then he injects himself with, like, this strange – I mean, obviously it's an old – like medical gun thing. I don't know if that thing has a name, but yeah, it just. I I, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Paul, but I actually thought that I, I pointed this out in my notes. I thought that was quite interesting because we hear a lot through season one about people potentially getting sick and things like that. And this is kind of the first reference to that of like, okay, maybe there is something in it because he's clearly a bit paranoid about it because he's injecting himself with this kind of crazy gun thing. So I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, I'll add, I'll add to that. Um, this was definitely the first. Re- the first time I realized something was up, probably the time I realized actually I probably am watching Lost, not a different television show. Um, 
But yeah, we I, I just wrote a note saying we never really got an answer for this. Why he needs to take it, or and to add to that a bit later, why quarantine was written on the door. And then I realised is it was it all just a ploy from Kelvin. Um, but I don't know if that's going too far ahead to end of season two. But um, I suppose it really was all just a ploy from Kelvin to keep Desmond in there, wasn't it? There's was nothing more to it than that. I always thought it was more of a ploy by um, just the regular Dharma people. Not necessarily Kelvin, but just like um, Radzinski maybe or whatever, because there was always, I mean, you know, pretty much the spoiler wall is down. So, you know, we could talk about pretty much anything. And like in the, yeah, I always thought it was uh, more just the, the Dharma people because they needed somebody to stay in there, you know? And like, I guess, I think they had talked a few times about like a sickness or whatever, you know what I mean? Like there had been little references to it even back in the 70s because we knew that there was a lot of uh, duplicity going on with them. So it it makes – I mean I always thought it wasn't necessarily Kelvin, but I thought it was just a, a ploy because at the one point we see um, Charlie with that, with that um, medical gun thing with Claire and the baby. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I, that, well, I definitely thought that before. It was just when I was watching this episode and – but man, taking notes on it makes me think a lot deeper into it. And I just thought maybe it was just a ploy from Kelvin was just my thought. But yeah, up to this point, uh, the last 10 years, I've always assumed it was just a ploy from like, well, not necessarily a ploy, but that from, coming from all of Dharma. Yeah. <clears throat> um, should also point out that all of the numbers are on the vial as well. Did not know that. No, neither did I. Um... And we should also note that pretty much except for right when he's hopping off the top bunk, we never see this guy's face because, of course, that plays into later on in the episode. But I thought that was really good how, like, we almost never see his face the entire time. I guess that's kind of why Andy would maybe assume it was Sawyer just because of the hair, Um, which I think is kind of a good thing that it keeps you guessing because it's like, oh, hang on a minute. We've gone down into this mysterious hatch and now what? Potentially it could be Sawyer. What? Um, and obviously it's not. Well, not only we've gone into this mysterious hatch, but the last week, like, it's just completely different than anything, like, like, uh, Arthur said before, you know, you got, you start wondering if it's even the same show, because it's the first thing you see is something that's not at all what you thought it was, you know, in terms of it's, it's down in the hatch versus, you know, it it looks to be daylight because of the, the light thing that they have going on there and whatever. Yeah, I've got a question for you, Paul, actually. Um, you started watching Lost a little bit later um, into the show. Had you watched newer episodes of Lost before you watched the first few seasons? Um, did you know what the hatch was, was before you saw this reveal? Um, I had never, I never watched anything. Like, I had seen commercials and stuff when it was first on because uh, my dad had wanted to watch the show. But, like, I never... Like, I never watched, like, a random season four episode and then was like, oh, what's this show? I'll go back to the beginning. When I started it, like, that was the first ever thing of me knowing anything about it, really. Um, I had read a few things beforehand because I wanted because, like, I had always seen the show listed, you know, like, with Entertainment Weekly and things like that where they were always, like, you know, top five, top ten shows of this season or whatever. And it was always pretty highly ranked. 
So I had seen a few things. I had read a little bit of what it was about. I was like, okay, is it just going to be like a drama version of Gilligan's Island? Because I remember when it first started, that's what a lot of people thought. And I was like, I don't, that doesn't really sound interesting. But then when I heard like it had like supernatural elements or, you know, like mystery, I was like, okay, I'll get into this show. But I had no idea when I was, because I watched the first few seasons when I first got into it, I was watching them from ABC's website. So like that was the only way I actually did have, even though I was on their thing and it's just kind of like how Netflix is now where it just goes one episode right to the other. I still had to check and be like, am I watching the right show? What is this thing that's going on here? Yeah. That's cool. And I'm, I'm glad that you didn't know what was down there because we've spoken about before how I used to ruin my experience with spoilers well ruins a weird thing to say but I enjoyed that part of the show but um but yeah I'm glad you didn't you you had the um the same the same feeling we did when we saw it that as I like to call it a lost rush (laughs) yeah no see like the only things that like I knew about like because I had seen where um and I, be- I believe uh, when Kevin was a guest, he mentioned it in regards to like lo- like looking at things on Lostpedia because he got into the show a little late as well. And he said that he would go on and start to look at um, certain things for like each episode. And uh, he had said like he, he would look there, but then you, s- you start to r- figure out where are, especially if you've never watched it before, what sections are like the spoilery sections on Lostpedia and even just regular Wikipedia, you know, you start to go, well, okay, if they name a character and you don't know who that is, don't click on the person's name. Every so often, I have to admit, I did that just to be like, well, who is this person and whatever. And I would maybe see someone and go, well, okay, yeah, I definitely don't know who that person is. And then, unfortunately, when they would show up, like, you know, for example, Ben, when he showed up, I'm like, well, wait a minute, that's different because we all know what that you know what I mean what I'm implying there but I'm like well wait a minute that's different and then I was like okay well I I was a little bit spoiled in the fact of like okay well I know something is going to be happening with that character but like those are the only kinds of things with what you know what I knew what was going on quote unquote um as he as this man injects himself we hear a thud the record scratches and the cement ceiling shakes because he's underground which is our first uh implication of that we get a brief shot of his living area and at that point i think some people figured out what was going on i i didn't i don't know if any of you guys did when you were first watching it but I would assume some people out there were like, oh, yeah, I, I knew it instantly. I knew it was inside the hatch. No, I don't think I got that feeling. Not until it starts, not until you start seeing the mirrors and then you start getting really excited and you're not sure why you're getting excited. And then all of a sudden, you well, I'll let you read that bit out in a minute, but then you get crazy. Yeah, I think I think Michael Giacchino does a good good bit here. I really like this like short short clip of the music that comes up and it just builds and builds and builds and then it finally like hits the the peak of the song yeah. just as it turns onto their faces uh, peace through superior firepower is the name yeah of the, that's the, the one by him. absolutely amazing score have you remixed this one i have not but um maybe i'll get on it <laughs> um well i mean i j- you guys just said everything that i was gonna say except for the fact that uh he puts on because i have you know the dramatic michael giacchino score amazing 
Um, he puts on a jumpsuit and grabs a gun from a whole room full of guns, and he starts looking in the series of mirrors. And then uh, to go along with the amazing music, we have this amazing camera thing that happens where it, it just seems like the camera is just gliding along, and then it kind of like flips midair while it's going up the uh, like the 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 shaft or whatever you call it, like the hatch part. And then we see uh, Jack and Locke looking down, having just blown off the door, and the fact that it's nighttime, not daytime, as we thought moments ago. Then we hear Hurley chanting the numbers every so often, mixing in phrases like, we're dead, and, you know, things like that, which I always, because who doesn't love a bit of Hurley humor? Um, Kate approaches and asks if he's okay, but she really doesn't care as she's too focused on what's inside the hatch. Um, Locke, Kate, and Jack are looking down. Locke is so fascinated and ready to explore, and Kate is curious as well, but Jack ultimately says it doesn't matter what's down there because they won't have time to fit everyone down inside. Yeah, to be fair, Jack uh, is a bit of a beast here, in my opinion. Just, I think he's just playing leader, um, and, and, and rightly so, fairly putting the safety of 40 people ahead of his curiosity of, of what's down there, because we all know Jack does want to know what's down there as well. Um, as opposed to John, who basically doesn't care for the imminent threat of the others one bit. All he, he's just got this obsession um, for the hatch. Well, it took him so bloody long to get into it, so you can understand why. Yeah. Actually, I've got a question. I'll, I'll go through all of you. Um, I, I know. Arthur, I think I know Arthur's answer. But Andrew, are you are you uh, a Jack or a Lock? Uh, like, who do you prefer? You're a Lock. I knew you would be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do like Jack. No, don't get me wrong. And there's a there's a he has his Jesus moment, doesn't he, in this episode, which I referenced to later on, which I'm sure you're all we all know what it is. But um yeah, and uh, Jack sometimes Jack is just a little bit uh I would use the word neurotic. He is a bit in this episode, especially. Yeah. yeah. With my my word for Jack. And then I just I I don't know, I just find Locke so fascinating. His character is has so many different uh sections and he's just kind of this, I, don't know, I feel like the show kind of revolves around Locke at certain points. And with Jack, it just kind of feels like it does in a way, but he's, I, I just find him irritating sometimes. I've got a note about that later on as well. But um, yeah, they're both, they're definitely both my two favorite characters. I'll second that. I'm glad you didn't ask me which one my favorite was because I actually can't, can't really decide at the moment. You put me on the yeah. spot there. <laughs> cool. Um, I have to be honest, this rewatch especially, I'm not really a fan of either one of them too much. Um, I've said it at at various points in a few different episodes. Jack has this thing where, you know, all he doesn't want to be a leader. He doesn't want to be a leader. He doesn't want to be a leader. And then he makes a decision or if no one listens to him or doesn't tell him everything, he's like, well, I'm supposed to be the leader. You can't complain about something that you don't want a responsibility. Then when somebody says, okay, fine, like we won't treat you that way. And he's like, well, I I demand to be treated that way. Like he can't have it both ways, but he tries to too much. And Locke is too of the opinion because like he 
his journey has led him to this place and he's uh you know like a spiritual person and he believes you know like that the island has fixed him and that all of his things will be solved by the island he takes the signs and whatever and too often he seems to try to want to force everyone to catch up to where he's at that's why like he destroyed saeed's thing to triangulate the sig uh the signal because he's just like well you know it was you know all of these things he's doing and he's talking about the fact that they're like for the betterment of everybody because they haven't realized how special this place is yet but he no they they all can't jump to where he's at in his journey, they all need to get there on their own. And each of them had, they, they, they just both bug me. If I had to choose, I'd probably say I'm more, I don't know. Cause they're both like manly men and I'm definitely not. Um, <laughs> hey, oh, Paul, Paul, don't put yourself down. We don't, you've got a, you've got a, a big beard. I think that's manly. Um, but going back, I think going back to this, I think, I think, um, Saying what you said about Jack not wanting to be a leader, but taking that responsibility when he has to. Um, Jack is the only suitable survivor there, or the only suitable character in the whole series who can be that leader. Because I, I do think he's the only one who is always thinking for the safety of everybody else. Nobody else has that that view of the safety of everybody else comes first. Everybody else has an agenda, a slightly different agenda. Locks is... Yeah, whether it's the hatch or whether it's the others finding more about it, the island. Sawyer, at this point, trying to, well, just make the world better for himself. And, like, it's like Jack genuinely is caring for everybody, not just himself. And I think, and just sometimes he's annoying and neurotic, like you say, but I think he's, yeah, he's looking out for everybody. I definitely I would agree with that. He he does. I mean, the only other character I think that was that was even similar to that was Boone and, you know, unfortunately he never got the recognition for that until after he died. Um but uh I mean definitely in terms of that, yeah, he was probably the only I mean maybe maybe Saeed to a certain extent because as like a military person, he does kind of have that like, okay, I need to look out for everybody that's around me kind of thing. Um, but I, to answer your original question, I'd probably have to say I'm more like Locke, I guess, only because he's like a spiritual person and I'm like a spiritual religious person as well. I definitely take certain things as like, okay, that's a sign that's, you know what I mean? Or like, or certain things happen and there isn't an explanation versus Jack who is, you know, to have the episode title, he is more the man of science than the man of faith until later. Yeah, that was it. I actually, I did realize a few episodes ago, um, not a few episodes ago, a few, like a year or so ago when I watched this episode. Um, But, because I always assumed man of science, man of faith was relating to Jack and John. Uh, Not that it actually relates solely to Jack, the episode title, I mean. Right. Yeah. I thought that at first it, t- it probably took me about two or three rewatches to especially knowing what we find out at the end of this episode and then later with the character yeah. you know it definitely was I was like oh okay it clicked and I think I actually have it a few different times uh, throughout these notes and, and I'll say it when it happens too but it's definitely one of those things that like you, 
there's like that fact of like, oh yeah, it does relate to, you know, Jack, not just Jack and Locke. It's one of those things that you could kind of only discuss with like lost fans. Cause they'll be the only ones who can get it. Yeah. Um, Locke doesn't even listen to Jack as he grabs a rock to throw down to see how deep it is. And they hear a small splash at the other end. Kate and Locke are discussing how far down it is and how they can get down there. Uh, Jack hears this and becomes upset. He's made a decision, and that's all that matters to leader Jack. He declares, we're leaving now. And see, that's the thing. is Even in my notes, I, I, I like sarcastically put, I'm like, leader Jack, because he just angers me with that stuff so much because... You know, all, and I think I believe he said it in the season one finale, where he's just like, everyone wants me to be a leader until I make a decision that they don't like. But he doesn't always want to be the leader. Yeah, but he knows if he if he doesn't make this decision, nobody else will. Nobody, everybody else, like I say, only really cares for themselves. They don't care for the group as a whole. It's they won't make that decision. Jack has to make it. But see, I'll then use the argument like Locke made a few times at towards the end of season one. Okay, yeah, Jack can he he can he can absolutely worry about everyone else, but there was in my opinion there was no reason for him to look at Locke and say like we're going and then like kind of taunt him with like are you know are you going to pack it in cuz like when when Locke has you know when he finally takes him to the hatch and and they talk about the the plane and whatever and Jack uh, I'm sorry uh, Locke says to him like when since when do I have to report to you like, Locke is a grown man. He can, realistically, he can be a leader. He maybe isn't, but he can be a leader in his own right. Why does he have to report everything to Jack? Why does Jack get to make the decisions for him when he's clearly not a follower? But he proves that anyway, doesn't he? Later on, when they go back to the, the caves and Jack gives his pretty, well, pretty awesome speech, to be fair. But then Locke basically says, well, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm fed up of waiting. And he goes and does it anyway. So although, like you said, he has that moment, Jack, where he kind of does look at him and say, oh, yeah, come on, pack it in, as you say, Paul. But eventually he doesn't listen to him anyway. And see, I don't I don't have a problem with that. Like, I, you know, like some people, you know, uh, in season one, when like Hurley isn't doing things, when they're going off to find Rousseau, and Hurley just wants his answers, and Charlie looks at him, and he goes, uh, you know, Jack said to stay here, you're acting like a lunatic. To me, I'm like, what does it matter what Jack said? These are all grown people. They should be able to do whatever they want. They shouldn't have to listen to this guy. Yeah, maybe it's a good idea because he does have everyone's best interest, but I don't think they have to listen to them like some of the followers, like uh, Charlie and, you know, like, you know, my, more minor characters like Shannon and all of those people, they're like, well, OK, we're going to follow whatever whatever Jack says. I don't think they should all have to do that. But Jack right. treats I'm going like to put, put a halt to this because we've been talking about it long enough and I've had enough of all this Jack bashing. And let's move on. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. <laughs> uh, uh, OK, Um so Hurley is in agreement with Jack's plan to leave and Locke says they went through a lot to get there. And Jack argues that they have people waiting to be led. Sorry. Um, Kate knows Jack will go too far and she says his name to reel him in. That's what I always thought that was about when she, when she's like Jack and he kind of looks at her. Cause I think she was like, you know, don't, don't go off on him right now. <laughs> 
Um, and then Jack then declares Locke can explore in the morning uh, before asking him if he'll if uh, if John will leave. And to avoid a fight, Locke agrees. But he also thinks that there may be something else because that's when he asks him, like, why don't you want to go down there? You know? To be fair, there is no rush to go down there. It's like they, they think the others are coming to kill them all. I mean, is that should that not be your priority? But I don't know. No, it is. It. I mean, it. De- especially from because like they don't know what like Charlie says. You know, a little, a few minutes at the caves where he's just like, "Oh, there are no others. They're not coming." Or whatever. You're right. From these, from the point of view of these characters, yeah. But as you said, like Locke doesn't necessarily have everybody else's interest. He just wants to explore. Yeah. I, to be fair, you're you're right. There's there's Jack doesn't need to look after Locke. If Locke wants to go down there, he should be allowed to. But and the other. Thing. It's, it's the middle of the night. You might be better off exploring in the daylight. I don't know. But yeah. well, as he even says later on, like what, like uh, Andrew pointed out, like you know when he gives kind of that counter speech of like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to you. He even says he's like the safe thing would be to wait till morning and whatever. He's like, but I'm tired of being safe. <laughs> um. In flashback, we see a woman being rushed into the ER on a stretcher. She was in an accident with another vehicle. Jack comes in sporting what to me looks like a very 90s haircut. I wrote Uh, exactly the same thing. I said, yeah, Jack's haircut is so 90s. I wrote wrote that it's a wig because I I genuinely think that's a wig. Oh, it definitely is, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just just wrote saying that they obviously didn't use the budget on the wig because it's fucking shocking. Yeah. Jack Ross <laughs> putting that on his head does not work. No, it does not. He's, he looks good decision. Yeah, they make a bad decision later with Jack's hair as well, not his hair. I'll, I'll mention that later in my notes, but yeah. Um, and then Jack does his doctor thing. We briefly hear the name of the other driver as well, Adam uh, Adam Rutherford, Shannon's father. Mm-hmm. Time of death, 8.15 a.m. Yes. Yeah, I- that down. I put that down. Best use okay, of the numbers yeah. of the season. Ah, but it's not. Oh, isn't it? No, because they were on the little vial thing. Oh, Any right. normal person with normal eyes, then yeah. <laughs> but for those, <laughs> for those who can that deep. All right, fair a, enough, fair enough. It was even early if you count him typing it in the computer, so yeah. But anyway. Yeah. I clearly um, have terrible eyes. <laughs> don't worry dude i am too <laughs> um the woman he just saved mumbles something because that's he you know he has to decide which one he's gonna save um and he, he chooses the woman say, say the right one because anyone that spawned shannon to... <laughs> here we go again here we go again <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair that guy wasn't going to be saved anyway he had like a Something sticking out of his neck, or something. There's no chance he was. She had something sticking out of her body too. Oh, he went for the right one. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I would have saved Julie Bowen too. Yeah, but as of that moment, he picked the right one. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Then she mumbles something that only he can understand, which is, "I need to dance at my wedding." And we get a closer look and see that it is Sarah, Jack's future wife. Yeah, no, um, I, I feel quite sad for her when she says that. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, oh man, 
It's just—it's quite sad, see, isn't it? She can't dance at her wedding. Obviously, she can in it's, the end. It's, it's still quite. It's sad. sad for like a brief second until you actually sit back and go, "Well, wait a minute. We've already seen what happens to her." I know, but for the briefest of moments, it is sad. Yeah, it is. It's a well—it's a well-delivered line from her. Yeah, I think that was just uh, Andrew getting emotional again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that, that reminds me of something I'm going to come on to later, so carry on. What, about me being emotional? Maybe, but we'll come back. <laughs> Are you surprised? <laughs> we'll come back to that. <laughs> um, on the island, in the caves, Charlie is telling people the truth, that no one is coming for them, and that Danielle acted on her own. <clears throat> and he uses many British colloquialisms, which I won't mention due to my guests today. Now go on. What did he uh, say? I didn't know. I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. So maybe that is. Bollocks, didn't he? He said bollocks, didn't he? He did say bollocks. I believe he said bloody a few times. I don't remember exactly what he said. I just remember listening to it, going, "Wow, he's very British in this scene." <laughs> the funny thing is, I always watch them. I think, "Oh, they're trying to make him sound so English," and then I think, "Hold on a second. I do actually say bollocks and bloody quite a lot." So yeah. <laughs> I've actually pointed that out a few times in the past as well, where I'm like, like at the one point he said bloody like four times in the span of like two minutes. And I'm like, yeah, in case any of us forgot, Charlie's British, everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I know we're probably way past this, but I still love his joke from like the first season when he talks about Kate's bra. Remember, yes, remember your... it's, oh, full yes. Of it's full of bees. I thought it was C's, actually. Yeah, that is fantastic. <laughs> That's a brilliant joke. Absolutely brilliant. I was like, yes, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for ages, actually, I thought they would, like, in the in the pilot, like I said, like I said in the last episode, I thought it was just Jack, Kate, and Charlie. And when I flicked over, it was basically all I saw was chemistry between Kate and Charlie. God knows how Charlie managed to get Kate. Jesus. Oh, yeah, in real life. In real life, they were engaged, right? That's why I heard. That's why he asked to be written off the show because he they broke up. He must be a real, really have a really good personality. Well, Kate actually ended up marrying somebody else from Lost, but like just off the writing cast, right, or something like that, didn't he? Or I think it was, yeah, I think it was like a production somebody, like a production assistant or something. And they have two kids, so really, that's he's the lucky guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um. Saeed is not in favor of Charlie speaking about Danielle in this way, but he doesn't exactly voice this. I didn't quite get, even to this day when watching it, I still don't quite get when he, when Charlie looks at him and he's just like, what? And he's just like, nothing. Is that just like he, he just, he knew that Charlie was right, but still felt like sympathy for Danielle? Is that what that was supposed to be? Yeah, I think he has some level of empathy because out of all the characters so far um, to have, come across Danielle, he obviously has uh, what well, the closest thing you could consider a relationship to be with her. Um, obviously, he spent time with her, you know, when he sort of did his walking around the island job. Um, and, you know, he's he's had that level of contact with her. He knows about Alex um, or a story of. So he probably has some level of empathy and understanding and like, look, listen, Charlie, you wanker. He's she's been on this island for sixteen years on her own, had a baby taken off her, give her a you know, give her some slack sort of thing. That's what that look says to me. Okay. <clears throat> There's um, no one else just me. 
Yeah, Arthur, we haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah, um, you've pretty much been saying what I was going to say anyway. Um, I agree with Andrew. <laughs> no, I am doing the older brother thing and cutting him out. <laughs> I do agree with what Andrew was just saying about Saeed knowing her, knowing her the most. So um, he, he does have that bit more empathy towards her and doesn't feel like she deserves everyone slagging slagging her off and Charlie just like ratting ratting her out and saying that she's the worst person on the island basically. Okay. Um <clears throat> Shannon yeah. then comes just, uh, sorry, so I'm just putting out that I'm also not a huge fan of Charlie. I'm uh, you know, just, that's what I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> now okay wait know, he's don't like anybody apart from Desmond, so it's alright. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so Shannon comes through asking if anyone has seen Vincent the dog. Uh, she lost him, and she decides to go out looking for him. And I bet this you... Annoyed uh, me. This annoyed me. I knew it would. I actually dogs, dogs can find their way back from anywhere. She doesn't need to go out. She's being neurotic and annoying again. She is. I'm just going to add to that. Uh, my note here was, because obviously people who listen to this podcast know... Uh, Andrew and I gave her a bit of a hard time, uh, maybe mostly deserved hard time in the last podcast. So I did try and write down something nice here, um, even though it did turn a bit bad in the end. I said, Shannon does have some character development as she now realize she realizes she is useless and she's lost Vincent. But she wants to change and become more reliable and responsible, but is still annoying in doing so. Is that a bit nicer or is it still harsh? That's, that's an insult, but being nice. It's that's still idea. pretty harsh, yeah. It's like a backhanded compliment. Because, yeah. <laughs> see, all I was thinking was uh, 14-year-old Andy was probably like, I'll help you look for the dog. <laughs> Definitely. I was there like, why does Walt turn up soaking wet? Why can't Shannon be soaking wet? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> that's dreadful. Oh, <laughs> this is an X-rated podcast now. <laughs> oh, we oh that was great. Enough, we haven't had enough humor in this episode yet. We need to get some more jokes out. Um, back at the hatch, uh, John is just sitting there itching to go in when Hurley asks why he lit the fuse despite Hurley's protests. Um, Locke basically ignores Hurley saying that getting inside was what was important. And then Jack kind of taunts him with saying, uh, you know, and to help everybody else, or maybe it was our destiny, right, John? Yeah, that was a bit of a, you know, kick in the teeth, wasn't it? Like a bit of, you know, because at the end of the day, Locke has his opinions and Jack has his. And as far as I can tell from this episode, it seems more of a, a dig from Jack, almost like... um some not not a form of bullying in, in in any way, but just kind of like just dig like that you said earlier, Paul. Sort of like poking fun at his beliefs, which I think is a little bit um, unnecessary, and it kind of makes me sorry, Andy, um, dislike Jack a little bit because of that. That's all right. I'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> I just I said here, Hurley's head must just be spinning, completely spinning out of control. No, first things first, obviously, the numbers are everywhere. And also, every time he tries to say something, nobody listens to him. And <laughs> I mean, it just must be going crazy. But he wins in the end, so it's okay. <laughs> he does win in the end. Um, Kate, meanwhile, notices something written inside the door. 
and it's quarantine. Yeah, this is an awesome and- moment because it just adds even more mystery. Like we we understand later, it's probably called quarantine because you know it's all a test, and then people are being kept in there for uh, to see how long they can survive and whatnot. And so then it sort of begins to make sense. But as of right now, in this part of the show, in this like timeline, um, you're just sort of thinking, "Whoa, what's going on?" It was lost. Lost was so good at posing new questions. Yeah, yeah. it was. That, I, was, yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna say. Um, so. You, you, after all the first season, you're like, oh, what's what's in the hatch? What's in the hatch? It's like the only question it is. And then after this, it answers it with another like 20 questions or so. Like, why is quarantine on the door? Why are, um, like, I put down like the key when we get down to the hatch is magnetic or whatever. It's just loads more questions that are asked. So many questions. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um... Shannon is looking through the jungle for Vincent while Saeed tells her that although they didn't see anyone, that doesn't mean there isn't anyone out there. And when he asks why she has to look for the dog now, she says that Walt entrusted him to her and she doesn't want to fail at that too. Which, I mean, yeah, that sounds real nice until Andy came in with his note earlier where he's just like, she is useless though. (laughs) She is utterly useless. I mean, she is. She's just annoying. He is. Yeah. Um, they then hear Vincent barking and they approach him. Saeed runs after him and Shannon runs after Saeed. And she trips, as everyone seems to do on this island. Everyone trips at some point. Um, and then she hears whispered, followed by Walt, dripping wet, shushing her, and then odd noises. And if I'm not mistaken, that's actually the clip played backwards, much like the trick used for Jin hearing English, which, you know, there we go. It comes full circle because two of you were on that episode. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the floor here, Andrew, because these are your two least favorite characters, I believe. Yeah, see, when Wet Walt appears, I've just put Wet Walt annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I put put completely the opposite. I said Wet Walt scared me the first time. So confusing, so gripping. I mean, to be fair, yeah, your lines are a lot better than mine. You're a lot smarter than I am, I think. But uh, yeah, I, I I just don't understand why he's there. I don't, like, what is the island trying to tell us be, by making him appear to Shannon. Can anyone answer that for me? Because I, I don't know why. It just seems pointless to me. I don't... I'm not sure if it's the... Uh, it's tough one. I'm not sure if it's the island or if it is Walt. Because we've had this discussion of Walt being special, but I suppose people are, people are only special in context of the island. So I suppose it's both. Uh, but here, to be fair, one, he was still within the like bubble of the island. So you could argue that because we know because the others had that little tiny boat because they talk about it in a drift, the fact that that boat couldn't have made it too far. So obviously they came from the island. Um, so it could be that, but I don't necessarily think it is him because if it was, he, there's no reason that he would have been dripping wet because he was never in the water like everybody else from the raft. Um I don't know. I thought it was what it was. Walt, whether it was subconsciously with his connection to the island, trying to tell the survivors, "Hold on, look, you need to, you need to know the raft isn't all right. You need to know that we're on the island. You need to help us." See, I would argue that maybe it was um, 
the smoke monster giving maybe not that exact thing, but I think it was because I always thought it was was Smokey, not Walt. I thought it was Walt being Smokey. Maybe I think Andrew would argue that it's a waste of time. <laughs> it is. It is. It's just. It, 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 well, to not go into it too much, but like we know that through you know season two, especially, we know that ABC were trying to pad out loss, so to speak, because it was so big and it was so popular. And I think that is one of those. There's there's, there's quite a few of these little moments in the show which I think are a bit pointless and doesn't really, don't really mean anything. They added mystery and intrigue, and it kept people watching. But I don't actually think they it matters at all to the ending or the the outcome of the show or anything. I think it's a bit pointless, to be honest. Plus, I don't like Walt. So I'm just like, just kill him off. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Arthur? I I really like Walt. Just to bounce off Andrew. Yeah, because he's just so interesting and intriguing. Um, Agreed. Yeah, good. But it doesn't Um, go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere, so it's pointless. So? He can't help help the fact that he grew grew lots. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm going to just say, how can you say anybody? uh, I'm just going to get so much abuse from you now. If you're saying people aren't important, Tessman's not important. If you say people are important, the only important person, the only important person in the entire show is Jack. If you're going to pull out these persons not important, this person's not important. You're going to say that Jack is literally the only important person in the whole show. He's the one who saved the island. No, come on, you can't say that. Walt is not that. Not he's he just adds some level of intrigue for about two seasons, and then they just disappear. You can say that about so many other characters. We're never going to agree on Walt. All right. <laughs> but see, I don't know, because I was talking with, with Jake the other day about how, like, the you know, uh, added, you know, you said it, it adds intrigue and whatever. I have no problem with that, because one of the things that I learned from the show is the fact that, like, okay, there are things out there that are, I mean, not that I learned it from the show necessarily, but that I took away from the show was like, there are things out there that aren't going to be explained. You don't have to get everything spoon fed to you. Some things maybe you can, you know, uh, extrapolate an answer for yourself. Some things are just there to be like, well, I don't quite understand that, but it was part of my journey. It was part of the character's journey. So to yeah, me, to that's remember, the answer. I'm not near as bright as you guys. I need to be spoon fed. All right. Let me ask you this one. Let me ask you this one. The whispers. Would oh you my god, you with these whispers. Would you rather we never got the answer to that and that was an open-ended mystery or are you happy they gave us the answer that they were... Am I allowed to swear? I won't swear. Well, They were just bloody dead people. It's like, <laughs> that was the worst answer. I'm so... I hate that answer. And I wish they had left that open-ended, never found out what the whispers were, were would have been so much better. I think that was directed at you, Andrew. I honestly didn't think about it either way. That that doesn't really bother me at all. Is it because... Yeah. It's probably because, to you, it's, okay, that's an answered question. But yeah. that's a terribly answered question, isn't it? Am I the only one who thinks that, Arthur? Do you think that was a good answer? Um, I, I was, I'm kind of with you. I was like, I'd prefer an answer than that being an open answer question, but it isn't a very good answer. Yeah. I don't know what else it could have been, 
but I mean, I really, you, you've got you I, say I, I there's this hatch. There's this hatch in the ground. We're gonna put Desmond in it with a computer. You can press every 108 minutes. That is a bloody amazing answer to a question. Yeah. <laughs> and then you give me, I'm sorry. That's yeah. And then you give me no, they're dead people. And you, and you've got Michael to deliver that answer for you. <laughs> it's it's a waste. Yeah, I didn't like that. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> See, I I would have to in this in that one instance, I would have to agree with Andrew because I never necessarily thought of it as a good answer or a bad answer. I thought of it as, oh, okay, cool. Let's you know, we got an answer to that question that we've wanted for so long. <laughs> I don't know which one of you that was, but that was a hilarious sound. Um. Okay, so uh, back on Shannon real quick, and then we'll be off, I promise, Andrew. Um, <clears throat> Saeed then runs to her, but Walt is gone. Um, Locke and Kate are then talking in the jungle, and she wants to know why he wants inside the hatch, and he asks if Jack thinks that Locke is crazy, if, if he's crazy. Uh, she pretty much sums up all the crazy-sounding elements to their journey and he adds that a few hours prior, he was dragged by a column of black smoke before asking if it was what she saw. And I wrote, these are the kinds of things that we all say to each other as fans. But the moment you try to breathe a word of them to a non-fan, they immediately think you're crazy, too. Yeah, I love that column of black smoke. Those words just flow off his tongue perfectly, don't they? It's it really gets you. Oh, absolutely. Like, okay, uh, Andrew, when you yes. were trying to when you were trying to explain the show to Autumn for the first time, did you ever say anything like that to her? Like, oh, polar bear on a tropical island, or there's a you know like a thing of black smoke, or like there's a random hatch. Did you ever try to do any of that kind of stuff? And she just probably gave you that look where you're. It's like you're crazy. <laughs> uh, well. I, I, Lucky enough, I, I was in a situation where I said to her, Look, this, this kind of means a lot to me. She obviously she knew that anyway because I met her at a uh, lost convention. Right. Uh, <laughs> I know you laugh every time, but. <laughs> I know. God, God knows why she decided to go out with me because. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, something. Yeah, I must have just got lucky. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah, and then she she openly kind of said to me, Well, I'll watch it. And I was like, Oh, wow, yeah, this is your amazing kind of thing. And uh, so I never really had the opportunity to tell her what it was about because she never really wanted to know. She wanted to find out for herself. Um, I'm oh, pretty okay. sure I've had conversations like that with other people, though, where people have questioned it. And they're like, I've said to people, you know, you should watch Lost. And they say, oh, isn't there like some sort of black smoke or some stupid thing like that? And, you know, it's easy to brush off without knowing the context of it. Um, so I try and explain it, but like I do get those occasional looks. But the amount of people I've managed to get into Lost just with like my level of enthusiasm is I'm, I'm actually quite proud of that. Like, yeah, there's, a lot I know, there's a lot of people I know that watch Lost now because I've just been like, oh, you have to watch it, this and that and this reason. And it's amazing. And the character development and the empathy and like the mystery and everything you get from it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually got a, a message from a guy I met in Amsterdam like two months ago. And he said, I've been watching a lot of Lost. Like, I put it down to your enthusiasm kind of thing. So I kind of love when I get people into it because it is such a great show, which we all know about anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've had a few, like I said to you before, Paul. I've had a few friends uh, start watching it just because because one of their nerdy friends was on a podcast. So, 
Yeah, it's always yeah, it's so always you... good to get people into it. Yeah, it is. I've got my my housemates back at university where I'm at the moment in Guildford, which is just south of Surrey. I've got well, I say I've got all of them in. I've got one of them really in to Lost. Um, so then there were the other two, and we're just in the living room watching Lost, and they're they're hopefully they'll get onto it, but I don't think they will. But there is one of them who's addicted to it now, just like I was as well. See, it's funny because like a lot of my friends, they'll approach me going, oh, yeah, I watched this show and they know that I'm a fan. They don't necessarily watch it because I'm a fan. They just like they just know that I was a fan. And then at a certain point they were like, well, I guess I'll give this show a shot or whatever. But then I have other people like somebody that I work with who immediately upon hearing or seeing a polar bear on a tropical island was like, this makes no sense off. And just never, and like that's the thing that 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 they that they always come back to, where it's like that's stupid. It makes no sense. And I'm like, no, actually, if you watch the show, it does yeah. make sense. Like, there's so many things. And like I said, these so many, like a, a column of black smoke. That sounds crazy. You say that to someone who has no idea, and it just sounds, as you guys would say, mad. And it makes perfect sense, though, within the context of the show. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. Paul, all, the only advice I can give you, I don't know anything about your work, mate, but anybody with that sort of view after the first episode of Lost, I would advise you to disassociate yourself with them. <laughs> They're obviously not sane. They're obviously not sane. Um, okay. Uh, so Kate confirms that she saw the pillar of black smoke and Locke says that they must both be crazy and wonders what Jack would claim that he saw. And at the time when I first was watching it, that like the first, the very first time we see it or well, Locke sees the monster, he has like, he's pretty happy. And then the second time in the finale, he gets this really scared look on his face. And then they, you know, it's the, the little wisp of black smoke that um, Jack and Kate see in the finale and then it's the the big column of smoke. And I, I just wondered if maybe, because um, like with Locke saying this line and the fact that, like I said, he was happy at one point and sat at another, I wondered if maybe different people saw the monster as different things each time. So I kind of wondered what, you know, if that was the case, what Jack saw. And especially when they saw that little wisp of black smoke, did they see something that wasn't black smoke? Were we just seeing it from, like, Locke's perspective, because he said about the smoke, were we seeing it because that's what he claimed to have seen? It's funny you say that, considering you watched it later. Um, I'm not sure if I thought that, but I... I vividly remember obviously because i was a lot into the uh the reading up on it outside of it reading the forums on dark ufo that was definitely a very prominent theory that a lot of lost lost fans had was that was was the monster did you see what it wanted you to see or did you see what you wanted to see um for a long time that was definitely a very prominent theory but see, again, these are those kinds of things that we can only say to each other and will sound incredibly crazy to a non-fan. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> I mean, I'm interested to know why it decided to take John. Because obviously we know later on it, but why, the reason why it does it at that point. But why, why does it take John and not like Kate or Jack at that moment in time? Um, I don't know. I'm, he's I'm he's a candidate. They're all candidates. All of their names are written on the wall by this point. So he's probably going to go one by one. And Locke just happens to be the first one. Mm. Well, it'll be thankful See, he didn't take him in the end because he managed to use his body later on. Yeah. Stop See, I would have thought... 
I would have thought that it was uh, more the fact that maybe he could have, like later on when he is, when he ta- when he you know when he takes Locke later on, he gets people recruited to his side. I'm wondering if because Locke was such a believer and he like at that exact moment in the finale, he was such a hardcore believer. He you know okay, this thing is is on the island and whatever that must mean it represents the island or whatever. He could have maybe got him onto his side somehow, some way. Yeah, to be fair, at this point, although Jack is the obvious candidate as a viewer because of um, his leadership for the survivors, but definitely Mm -hmm. at this point, if you're looking at it from uh, the island's point of view uh, or Jacob's point of view, I would have said Locke is much more a suited candidate to look after the island than Jack would be right now. Obviously, come later on, Jack grows grows into... um, well, a lover of the island, but right now I would say John. John would be uh, a wiser person for the smoke monster to try and kill because I think he would be his biggest competition for. Um, well, he's trying to get off the island. He's trying to kill the important people. To Jason. Yeah, see, that's why I thought that he would have he would have got Locke to be on his side yeah. instead of on Jacob's side. You know what I mean? Just kind of yeah. convince him that his version of. You know, oh, here's what's really best for the island. You know? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's, to be fair, that's quite a good theory, Andy. Fair play to you, mate. Thanks, bud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Hurley tries to make Jack laugh when he doesn't want to. He describes some normal events on this show that seem crazy to non-fans again. And then Jack switches topics to the numbers and asks what they mean to Hurley. And Hurley then tells him the story of how he came about the numbers, how they're now on the outside of the hatch, and so on and so forth. And I just love the fact that Jack doesn't react to a single strange thing. There's, like, all these, like, weird, you know, and, I mean, it it could just be Jack's, you know, man of science thing. But all of these, like, uh, coincidental things that he says, but all he reacts to is like, you were in a psych ward? I know, that really annoyed me again. Jack, what is wrong with you? Ah, come on. I like is- when you said he made he made Jack laugh when he didn't mean to. I thought that was that that made me love love Jack. I think that was one of the the only points in this episode where Jack wasn't because Jack was quite depressing in this episode. As much as I love him, he's very very serious in this episode. And I I, I like that bit. Well actually oh, yeah, I know I, I was I should reference, uh, sorry, Paul, I should reference as well that when he's, when uh, Hurley says, you know, we're probably going to get eaten by the others, but at least we get to sleep in every morning. I thought that was great. Yeah, I've got, I've got the Hurley, Hurley kind of just lifts the spirits up the whole time. Well, not the whole time. Cause he does get quite serious as the conversation progresses, but at the start he's very like lighthearted and it's just funny towards Jack and he laughs and it's good. And then it moves on to the more serious part. Yeah, the casualness of the conversation, yet Hurley's speaking about something so serious. He just starts with, I was out buying a frozen burrito. I mean, the casualness is fantastic. I would love to try a frozen burrito, to be fair. I don't think you would. It sounds disgusting. I'd much rather have a proper burrito. Do they they don't have them over there? Frozen burritos? No, we're we're not savages, Paul, in in England. (laughs) (laughs) um no but that was a great sum up again i'm not sure if it quite tops um early season four recap where he explains uh little to his mum, but 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's the best. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, me, me and my sister, uh, we both have we both have a T-shirt with that with that whole speech on. Really? Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. Um, Hurley then tells Jack that his bedside ma- bedside manner sucks. Um, and then in flashback, <laughs> J- what's that? Uh, I, I, when you when you said that, it makes me it makes me laugh because there's a line coming up where he's just so brutal, it's unreal. Yeah. yeah, he's like he says to her, he's like, "You have multiple crushed vertebrae, likely to walking again, extremely unlikely." It's like, <laughs> you know, don't hold back, mate. Going back to just this, just before the flashback, and I know I've given Jack a lot of um, praise here. Maybe I'm just compared to other people, but I did just write this down saying that every moment of Jack in this episode does fill me with excitement just because it's mainly because of his science perspective and everything and knowing with hindsight where his character goes I just it it brings excitement to me because I know he gets out of this this tunnel vision that he has of just all he sees is um science basically um yeah I think it's great I agree yeah and then my next comment is Jack's hair in the hospital is so 90s. So I obviously missed it the first scene. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's honestly absolutely dreadful. Yeah. And then my next line going to Andrew is saying his his diagnosis description of Sarah is brutal, is my next line. It's absolutely brutal, yeah. Yeah. If I I went to Hunter and I heard that, I'd be like, geez, he's the sort of person you'd walk in and you'd go, yeah. You've got cancer, and you're probably going to die. <laughs> it's like, cheers. Um, yeah, no, I have uh, in flashback. He's checking on Sarah, and she. I think it's really, really uh, says something about her that she immediately asks what happened to the other driver. You know, and uh, Jack pretty much again, like you guys said, he's being brutally honest. He's just like he died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, um, quite brutal with his bedside manner, isn't he? And uh, that's, you know, what I said, like, exactly what you guys, yeah, he tells her her back is broken, he gives it to her straight, and it's unlikely she'll regain feeling again. And that's when his father notices all of this, calls him outside, and tells him that patients need a sliver of hope. And he argues that if pretty much if facts are facts, it may be false hope. Yeah, Andrew. Yes. Um do you know the actor of Christian Shepherd's the, the actor of Christian Shepherd? John Terry? Yeah. So this is my little segue here. It's been a sad Arthur and Andrew, you've got to shut up now. You're not allowed to you're not allowed to say anything over my little speech. I've prepared this. You can you can mute you can cut this out of the actual yeah. podcast. No, you can't, you've got to keep important. it. So so the act the actor of Christian Shepherd um, is a man named John Terry. Uh, and it's a sad week for football. This is British football in England. Uh, John Terry, uh, we need to take a moment to respect his illustrious Chelsea career. Over 700 appearances since his debut in 1998. Third most of any player for our club. The most is our captain. Four Premier League titles, a Champions League, five FA Cups, Europa League, three League Cups. Chelsea's most decorated player scored over 66 goals, um, which is sublime for a defender. And he retired yesterday. Uh, well, he didn't retire. He left Chelsea yesterday or announced he would. Um there you go. You're not allowed to cut that out. You're not allowed to cut that out. But not the actor, so what does it matter? (laughs) Huh? 
but not the actor. So what does any of that matter? It's got the same name as him. So and he re- and he left Chelsea yesterday. And Chelsea. And the, so wait. Um, and every time I introduce myself as Paul Casey, do I have to say, but not the professional golfer, just because he has the same name? Well, you should do because he's um, <laughs> he's from Britain, isn't he? Well, he's from, from Ireland, so you should. Or is he? Or is he English even? Yeah, English, English, I think. Yeah. yeah. Possibly uh, Carrington, the Welsh guy, the Irish guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're not. Please don't cut that out, Paul. I prepared that. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh fair, fair. John Terry. John Terry. Good, good player, John Terry. He is. Yeah. He, he was, was also on loan, he was also on loan at Forest. Does anyone know that? I did. I, I didn't know that until like they were t- talking about his career, yeah. like yesterday when I was reading up articles about it. Just for yeah, any I... American listeners, John Terry is basically the Kobe Bryant to the LA Lakers, or the Tom, the Tom Bryant, Tom Bryant, Tom Brady to oh, New England Patriots. Brady. He is, he is through and through um, Chelsea, and has been spent over twenty years here. So, yeah. Okay, so that has been European football from the Brits. Uh, <laughs> the true football. I will say the true football, but still. Yes. Um, okay, so anyway, um, <laughs> back in the caves, Shannon is getting everyone worked up by telling them what she saw. Uh, Saeed isn't convinced while trying to console Shannon. He still has to tell everyone that everything is fine. He's trying to walk a very fine line, but he's failing. I'm going to jump in. I haven't really put much, well, I haven't really put my opinion much towards Shannon. I don't think I hate her as much as the, the two A's beside me, but she's not my favorite character, but I do not like her in this scene whatsoever. She's just out for attention the whole time I've written down. Um, she's just, just in this scene. Um, maybe not just in this scene, but that in this scene is really pushed forward. She, she just wants everyone to, well, she's just shouting her head off, basically just saying this happened. I know the other guys won't disagree with you. Not no, at all. I'm, right, I'm right with you, Arthur. Right yeah. with you. Um, okay. okay. So, uh, Arthur, last time when, uh, when your brother and Andrew were on, we got a little, a very interesting story, which of course we've referenced a few times here about oh, Andy. <laughs> Um, now wait, what is the age difference between the two of you? I'm, I'm two years older than Andy. Younger. Younger. I'm two years younger. So, yeah. (laughs) Wow, he jumped on that real quick. (laughs) I'm 22. Okay, so you said you got into it a a little after he did. So you would have been about the same age that he was when he got into the show originally, right? Uh, yeah, maybe a, maybe a year younger, but around the same age, yeah. So now, and were did, your feelings I, about Shannon the same or similar to his feelings about Shannon? I did. When you first she, is a, she is a very attractive lady. Yes. I don't that's find her gonna, attractive. That's all I'm going to say. She had to nice be fair, legs. I don't find her that attractive now because her character is so annoying. But um, she is. She I means she's. She's got a very athletic body, has she not? Blonde hair. <laughs> Um, I'm just going back to the way Andrew goes. I don't think she's attractive at all. That's probably because you'd be too short for her, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to ignore that comment. (laughs) I'm not that short. Is Autumn taller than you? No. With high high heels, yeah. (laughs) 
But she never wears heels, so it's fine. I wonder why. Because <laughs> I'm a short ass, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Am I that short? No, you're not. But you are Asian, so you tend to, <laughs> you tend to be a bit shorter. <laughs> Racist. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Come on. No, I don't. I'm joking. I don't know. I remember you. I remember you being. I mean, not a lot shorter, but I do. I definitely. I mean, especially compared to to the Cornforths and myself, we're all pretty tall guys. I do remember you being quite a bit shorter than us. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I'm myself, both six foot four. I don't know how tall you are, Paul. But about six two, six two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about. I'm about five nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So small. That's, yeah, that's small compared to us. Yeah, that is small it's, compared uh... to you guys. Yeah, it's like Land of the Giants on Saturday, apart from Tony. Yeah. <sighs> to be fair, for Tony, it must be awful because you two are really tall, and he's like, you know, from the same bloodline. He's he's obviously lucked out a bit there. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Just didn't get the genes. Just didn't get the good genes. Yeah. Yeah. We came out of our dad's right bollock. He came out the left one. <laughs> Um, Charlie notices that the A team is back and Jack now has to tell everyone everything. He tells them their original plan won't work and that they have to stay in the caves and stick together. Uh, Charlie asks about Arst, which Jack confirms that he died. And then Shannon asks about the others and Charlie tries telling her and everyone else that there are no others and everyone starts getting very, very worked up. All right. So I'm going to say something positive about Shannon. Because I actually quite like that she asks that, that she poses that question. Um, I mean, it could have come from any character, but I quite like how she says, "You know, did you see the others?" Because I think we all want to, we all want to know, we all want to, don't we? we all, as, as viewers, we're all like, "Where, where are the others?" Where are, obviously we know with the hat, with the, the the raft, but I quite like that she posed that question. So there you go. Something positive for Shannon. Can you say something positive for Jack now? Because the next bit, Jack takes control like a badass. Yeah, no, I do. I do. I just love how at the end he just like takes a moment, like a, a like it must be like half a second of silence, and then he just says, "I promise." Like I love That's how he says that. Like I promise yeah. we'll be okay. I love he that. Speaks, and it's like, yeah, okay, Jack's there. We're fine. Yeah, exactly. He, everybody is an absolute chaos, and. He's yeah. so convincing with what he says, and his promise is just like ev- everybody has their trust in him, and that's what's yeah, important yeah. from a leader. It, uh, yeah. See, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> you guys finally agreed on Jack. I'm gonna, I'm gonna still talk down a little, abo- a, a little on him, just, uh, just slightly, just slightly, because I didn't really. I mean, honestly, I didn't really think that speech was anything great. I didn't think it was like the live together, die alone speech or anything. Um, but I have, he gives a nice little speech telling everyone they're all safe and they will remain that way. He then promises, I wrote, we know what that tends to mean. Cause on an episode I did with Jake, um, when he has to, uh, when, when he's trying to tend to Boone the entire time, you know, he's like, I promise I'm going to fix you. I'm going to take care of this and whatever. And in the flashbacks, he's, you know, like, uh, 
doing all this stuff. And, and pretty much the entire time we've seen the character, he's always trying to fix everything and then things tend to go awry. So the fact that he promises now, like, oh, everything's going to be fine. I promise. I'm like, yeah, clearly he doesn't learn from having promised things in the past, though. Yeah, but he, but his promises are unlike anybody, anybody's promises, that he's promising he will do everything in his power, in his ability to keep them safe. If he dies in the process or it's literally out of his control, I mean, what can you do about that? If, if you're going to take that into account, then nobody should ever promise anything. A promise should really be uh, what it is. Within, within your grasp, within what you do. Yeah. But let's be honest, he keeps that promise throughout the entirety of the show, doesn't he? Because even, even when he does leave and then when he comes back, he comes back to save everyone. Like Jack has that theme running through, through, him, through his character the whole show. He never abandons that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what happens when you're the hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be fair, though, my next my next comment is um, when he speaks to Locke is 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 the other way, saying Jack is slightly mad with power as the leader. He is trying to stop Locke where he has absolutely no authority to do so. And I know we covered this earlier, but Jack has Jack needs to look after the others and his. He doesn't need to be concerned with Locke. But I think he, the only reason he does that, the only reason he does that is because he's given this, well, I think, I, I tend to disagree with Paul, I think it's a great speech. It's, it doesn't not filled with huge lines, but it's very subtle in its importance. Yeah. Um, and his use of words are great. Um, but I think uh, the reason why he does sort of call out Locke a little bit in front of people is because Locke's kind of called him out and made him look a little bit... Um, not as uh, leaderish as he probably wanted, wanted to appear to be, or as he had appeared to be a, a few seconds earlier. Yeah, to be fair, but, now you say that, I think Locke, um, Locke's a bit out of order doing all of this in front of everybody, in front of Jack. It's almost like he's there to try and show Jack in front of everybody that he doesn't yeah. have this power that, to do this. He, should, he could have just gone off on his own without telling anybody, that would, but Locke had to, had to counter Jack and say, look, you're not the most important person here. I'm doing what yeah. I want. Yeah, I've got So I was going to say, moving on to the next bit about uh, about Locke, I've got written down here that he's being a bit of a Shannon. He's basically doing what Shannon did ten minutes earlier, going after the dog, but this time going towards the hatch. Yeah, I can see that. I didn't actually write any notes here, but I am kind of yeah, yeah. Locke's Locke's actions here aren't that of a yeah. Of somebody I would want to put my trust in. He's going a bit crazy. Everybody's gone a bit crazy in this episode. I suppose emotions are high, but not uh, mostly either. Yeah. I mean, if if you're told, I mean, I, I referenced it actually at the start of the, the, my notes, but um, it's in the opening sequence when it says, you know, previously unlost, you know, which I love that guy's voice. I don't know who he is, but I'd like to meet him. Um, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> He says, go listen to this. Go listen to this show. We talked about it in a previous episode. Oh, really? Okay. Previously on Lost, and then if you heard the lines, "The others are coming. Run, hide, or die." You'd be pretty. You'd, emotions would be running pretty high. I'd be like, "Ah, okay. I'm, I'm in trouble here." So, you know. <clears throat> I, I, I definitely agree with with the point. Uh, I believe Andy made of the fact that he Locke was doing it on purpose. And he was kind of showing, you know, like maybe, you know, maybe Jack isn't the leader that he thought. But uh, 
and I, I, I definitely agree that he didn't need to do that. That was not right for him to do. Um, but I would also say that, in a way, it kind of works for that character because he is that, um, you know, I, I don't have to listen to you. And realistically, none of us have to listen to you. And I think he's just presenting an alternate take on it where he's like, you know what? Again, I'm a grown man. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And I don't have to listen to you, which as you, one of you is, I don't remember which one of you is, but one of you said like Jack does go a little power mad in the fact that like he thinks Locke should have to listen to him, which I don't think he does. I don't think it was right what Locke did, but I think there is a, a bit of a justification for it. Silence. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's actually the scene where he says about, you know, everything being, the you know, waiting for... I love how he just kind of throws in to, I think, almost to remind the viewers for like a moment, uh, the brave, pe- you know, w- waiting for the brave people on the raft. Because this entire episode, except Walt, we haven't seen a single one of those people. They reference them like very, very briefly, but I think they used that as like a, a little reminder to the audience of like, yeah, don't forget this other storyline is happening over here. Yeah, that's a note I took for later on, just saying how I think they perfectly just gave us Jack's um, point of view here uh, very well because they could have easily crammed too much into this episode. Um, but they did because they left so many questions at the end of the finale. But they did a good job of answering, answering them slowly, giving us only a few answers here. Yeah. Um, a few minutes later, Kate asks Jack if he really believes what he told the rest that everything will be okay. And he says, yes. And then she says she's going to help Locke and uses his own live together, die alone mantra as justification. I thought that was kind of like a, like a slap in the face to him just a little bit. Yeah. I'm slightly confused at um, Kate's, desire to go to the hatch because I, I, she hasn't even known about it that long and yeah I, I'm, I just never really noticed I questioned her desire to go there because she seems to really like really want to find out what's in there and she definitely does play Jack here uh, with with her little speech saying how how important it is for him to stay at the caves to look after everybody she plays him in a way that that you've just got to let me go um, don't come with me um, don't try and stop me you're too important here um, just let me go. She did definitely played him. But I'm a bit confused on her motivation to go. Um, I think it's just a matter of it's something new. And she's yeah. been she's been on the run for so long. She's always, like, you know, we saw it towards the end of season one where she's trying to, uh, you know, burn, uh, get the pass, what is it, the passport or whatever, or the ID, so she could start over because she wants to leave the island. And she's always the one who wants to go into the into the jungle and explore this or that or the other thing. She has a problem staying in one place for a specific amount of time, and especially when now she can explore something new and whatever. I think that was her motivation. It's uh, The title of the, the penultimate episode of season one was Born to Run, and I think that kind of sums up her character perfectly, and I think it's exemplified here. Yeah, I would almost counter that, and because I have a note just after this uh, in a minute. Um, we've got a flashback first, but it's almost like I'm not sure if Kate actually did have the motivation to go there. It's actually somehow Locke 
has manipulated her to come because we all see it in a minute. Locke is just waiting for Kate and he has an incredible way of manipulating people, almost like Darren Brown. If he's an English like magician sort of manipulator that we have here in England. And yeah, I almost feel it's it was Locke manipulating her because Locke needed to use her to get down there. Oh, see, I would, I would have thought that he knew because he knows her well enough to know. Well, one, the way they were talking earlier in the episode, when she, you know he throws the the rock down there, and they're talking about, um, you know, how far down it is and whatever, and she seems really interested. She seems really interested. He knows that she always is, you know, looking for a new adventure or whatever. So I don't necessarily, and, and this is just my opinion. I don't necessarily think he. Um, he manipulated her. I just think he was able to read her well enough to be like, well, you know, she's going to come. Like, there's no doubt about it in his mind. She's always, like I said, she's always like the first one to want to go into the jungle and whatever <clears throat> else. So if there's something new to be explored, she's going to be the one to go after. And especially because Jack can't really say no to her because he can read Jack well enough to know that as well. Jack can't really say no to her. So she'll just either do it or she'll tell him like she does hey i'm gonna go do this and there it is it's done yeah i think yours makes more sense to me you've convinced me i've never given either (laughs) i've never before i'd watched it this time around i never really questioned kate's motive so i just wrote that down quick as an idea but no yours yours sounds more like that's how the writers would have written it in so yeah i'm with you I have to say, I never really questioned it until you brought it up either. It's just when you yeah. questioned it, it made me think of that. <laughs> um, but as you said, we have a flashback real quick. So he, uh, in flashback, Jack is telling Sarah's fiance that she has damage, but he's not sure how extensive, how extensive it is until he opens her up. Uh, he tells the man how she'll probably need large amount of help for the rest of her life. But all the man seems to care about is how dis- pretty much how disgusting it'll be if either he has to or they have to hire someone to help her go to the bathroom and if she will or won't be able to have sex again. And I wrote, perfect casting with this guy because he looks sleazy. He is. He was a bad end, isn't he? Yeah, an absolute dick. <laughs> yeah. I, I, all I wrote was dick. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I wrote, say, I wrote Belen, so yeah. I did actually say, although I do have a slight bit of sympathy for him, it is a massive shock for him as well. But he is thinking it about is. The, he is so, thinking about the wrong things, though. Well, I, I tell you, you, I didn't think that about my fiance, but it's uh, it, yeah, it would be a horrible thing to hear. Um, yeah, but, yeah. right. Yeah, you can yeah, you can totally think wrong, those things, but those aren't the particular ones that you have to voice. No, of course not. Of course not. But that, that's the whole re- the whole reason they've written it like that because they they want to show show him as a dick uh, and show Jack's show Jack as the hero in this situation, basically, isn't it? Yeah. I hate to bring up I hate to bring up Autumn again, <laughs> but if that ever happened to Autumn, I would take her to the bathroom every day, every every hour of the day. Yeah, when no. she did, I would be there. Well, no, that's but like I said, good, that's because you you're a good man, Andrew, and you're not like. Yeah, you're stuff. not. You're not sleazy, Andrew. I'm small, but I'm not sleazy. This guy had a beard as well, though, didn't he? Yeah. I'm just gonna say, yeah, you haven't had... seen Andrew on a night out Saturday night on the town. That's when Andrew <laughs> gets out. To to <laughs> Arthur's point, he had a yeah, beard. I'm, jo- I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. I love you. I'm like. <laughs> 
uh, to Arthur's point, he had a beard, but it was kind of like that that low. Um, um, I don't want to. It wasn't stubble. It was a little more than stubble, but it was kind of like that douchey beard thing yeah. happening. <laughs> douchey beard. You, you would know. I, I can't grow a beard, so I don't know. I don't know what a bit good beard is. That's basically <laughs> what I got on my face right now, Paul. Take that back. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've seen yours because yours isn't. Yours is is. It's not the same thing. It's, it's not the same thing. <laughs> No, no, no. Um, and even if, even so, I wouldn't take it back anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, the man also says that the wedding is supposed to be eight months away. Use of the numbers. Uh-huh. Um, in the OR, Sarah tells Jack that he's invited to the wedding and it's okay if she can't dance. Um, and he, he then tells her that he's going to fix her. And as I pointed out, I said it, I referenced it a little bit in this one, and I pointed it out in another episode. A doctor is never supposed to make those kinds of promises. Ever. Yeah, the only thing I put down for this comment, for this scene, was there are so many people in the auditorium. Is, is that actually how it is? I mean, maybe they do need that many people, but I feel like nine people standing around one body might be a few too many. Uh, it might just get a bit confusing, but I don't know. <laughs> so who's well, operating on this one again? <laughs> well, I don't know, because I watch, I watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy, so like I see them do like surgeries like that all the time. And um, a lot of times they have people for, especially if it's like a teaching hospital, um... But uh, it, it, let's see, you would need the surgeon, two, maybe three nurses, and the anesthesiologist. Wait, what was that? The anesthetist, the anesthetician, or whatever it is, the people that, you know, Anest- put you to sleep. Yeah, anesthesiologist. Yeah, that's the one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's so wrong, bro. <laughs> You only need them for the first five minutes, and then they they they're not needed anymore, are they? No, no, they have to they have to stick around to regulate the entire time. Because again, referencing Grey's Anatomy, I've seen that where people will uh, like if they're if if you don't regulate the amount that you're giving them, because it's not just it's not just that they like give you a thing and then you're knocked out. Like it's a it's a little bit of a flow. You know, so like I I won't reference Grey's Anatomy, but I will reference. well, season three, episode six, and episode seven. Um, I do, and not in Portland. They're the ones where Jack's doing surgery on Ben, and he wakes up, uh, and they there can you talk go. to him while he's in the operation. So yeah, but he didn't have an anesthesiologist. He was that doing that job himself. So, and look what happened. And look what happened. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe we do need one in the room. No breaks for him. But yeah, so no, I think I think not because uh, it looked like one or two of them were about to about to leave anyway. But yeah, no, I, if there I didn't count them, but if there was like nine of them, I would say that that might make sense. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I I wasn't questioning it was a bad casting. Have that many people? I've got no idea. I just noticed that there are a hell of a lot of people in the room. <laughs> um. <clears throat> And then, uh, you know, he, he made the promise. And like I said, that's definitely something a doctor shouldn't say. But uh, I believe it was Jake mentioned on one of his episodes. It's not something when he said it to, to Boone, um, 
when he, you know, when he was going to, he's like, oh, I'm going to save you, Boone, or whatever. And he he makes the promise. And, and I believe it was Jake said, it's not something a doctor should say, but it's definitely something Jack would say. Making that promise that you're not supposed to, and then whatever happens, happens. But, you know. Um, and then he re- he realizes this, I wrote mistake in air quotes, because like I said, it's something you're not supposed to do. And the nurses all look at him questionably as well. Um, and then they all just kind of go back about their business. I, that, I thought that was a little strange. I don't know why they like didn't end the scene with just all of them looking at him like that, but whatever. Yeah, well, if you, it, this is a lot different to going back a couple of scenes again, where Jack's telling her what she's broken and what she's done about how he doesn't think that, that she's going to be fixed at all. That was all like negative. And then I don't know if the talk with his dad or something that did this, but he comes up to her and he's like, pushing that he's going to fix her he's going to make it a lot better he's going to increase her chances of walking again where before i don't know i'm sure he was going to try his hardest but he was putting across the fact that he wasn't going to be able to fix her but now he's promising that she he can no, i'll agree with that i think it was christian's um christian speech to him that that helped him increase his motivation for this for this operation he needs to think if i give hope there's well, giving hope is the right thing to do, basically. I think that helped, but I think it was her negative attitude. She's like, it's okay, I know I won't dance at my wedding, and he won't accept that. If he says, like, based on facts and doctor things, if he says, oh, it's not going to work, that's one thing. But if the patient gives up hope, I think he needed to re- restore her her hope in that way. But I, I again, I still think from from that perspective, I think he went just a little too far by making the promise. Yeah, okay, that makes sense as well. Yeah. Um, at the hatch, Locke is tying the cable and talks to Kate as she's walking up, telling her that he knew that she'd come. Um, we talked about that, and he uh, he says that she's lighter, so she needs to go down first. And I love, I believe it was she said something about, like, if something eats me, it'll be me first and not you, right? <laughs> John the Manipulator. <laughs> um, he begins to lower her down, but I just love the exchange of her going, wait, 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 what do I say if I need to stop? And he's just like, Stop. Like, Stop. it's just, it's this incredibly tense moment. And he just, he, almost a, a, a Hurley-like joke he makes. <laughs> yeah, John's too calm sometimes. But I suppose it's, yeah, it's his character. But he's, he's so, he thinks he's so know-it-all. Uh, oh, he's the very cocky sometimes, yeah. yeah. If the other characters really knew how little he knew, uh, yeah, they, the situations would be a lot more different. Kate wouldn't have gone down there first if she knew what Locke really knew. But because Locke has this uh, this authority and, yeah, it's uh, he thinks he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he has, like, an aura about him. Yeah. Um, we see that Locke has wrapped the cable around two trees to slow the release. And then as she's moving down, one of them snaps. We hear, I don't believe it's a, uh, a Wilhelm scream because it's a female one. A Wilhelm scream is a male one. I don't remember what the female one is called. But we hear that scream, which clearly isn't her. And it takes me out of the moment every time. And I hate it. Do you guys know what I'm talking I about? I have no idea what you're talking about. And I can't imagine they took a scream from anyone other than Evangeline Lilly. So 
that surprises me. But no, 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 no. There's this there's this concept. Like if you ever notice when when in like an action movie or whatever, when something happens and like somebody gets shot, there's always that standard ah sound that like everybody seems to make. And if you if you pay attention, and again, maybe because I'm like an audio visual person, I I, I you know want to be in the movie business and whatever, so I know this kind of stuff. It's always the same for a guy. It's always the same scream. And there's different versions of it for different people with different pitches and whatever. But the most common one is the Wilhelm scream. And there, but there is a female version. And they just kind of added that in. And it's just like, like I said, it's a standard thing that they recorded like 50 years ago or whatever. And they just added that in. And it bugs me because it takes me out of it every time I watch this incredibly tense moment. And then there's just like that goofy kind of cartoonish scream in there. Well, thanks, mate. The next time I watch this episode, one of my favorite episodes, I'm going to think the same thing. Anytime, boys. (laughs) Locke finally catches her before she plunges all the way down and that she drops her flashlight, but she sees the bottom. Yeah, my bit is John's bloody hands. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. Gets me every time. Yeah, there's a a funny... um... Uh, thing basically because because John he has like blood all over his hands and he obviously hasn't like protected him protected himself at all but then there's a scene where Jack goes down and he like wraps it in like an old t-shirt or something and then slides down it and you you, you basically you can sort of see you know one guy works for a box company other guy's a doctor you know it's, it's, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the doctor a bit brighter on that one yeah um, he yells, asking if she's okay, and she responds positively, and he takes that to mean keep going. I love when she's just there, and she's like, okay, because she's she starts to say, like, I think this isn't a good idea, and then he just keeps lowering her down, and she's like, okay, then. <laughs> um, and then she begins counting to five, per Jack's advice in the pilot. And when she gets to four, one of the numbers, the light at the bottom, not her flashlight, moves, and she screams, stop. And then she yells that something is down there before the bright white light shines upwards once again. The light flickering um, gets my heart every time. I know what's happening and it's it's brilliant. And yeah, the counting to five, like Jack taught her in the pilot. Um, it's it's just so well written, Lost, and how it ties, ties those bits back in from the pilot. I would say definitely her going down and like you said, the the light flickering gets you. Um, I've mentioned it a few times in this podcast about, um, you know, there are certain put down the phone moments, you know, when something really like it's whether it's like the live together, die alone speech, you know, whatever you're doing, you stop. If if you're doing something else while you're watching the show, you, you know, you put your phone down, you close your laptop and you pay attention because it's just one of those things that it's just the everything about it, the music, the acting, the directing, everything is so perfect. And I think her being lowered into this thing is one of those as well. It's just so tense. And like you said, the light flickering and just everything, you just have to, you have to pay attention. It just draws you in so much. Yeah. And then the cable pulled down, meaning she's pulled down, locks bloody hands again. Um, and then eventually the pulling stops, the light goes out, and Locke is left shouting for Kate. Um, yeah. At... <laughs> Thanks for the contribution, buddy. Um... 
Um, at the caves, Jack is loading a gun and he's going to the hatch. Hurley questions him on it, but he's going anyway. And when I just, I love, I, I didn't really write it down here, but I just remember it from having just watched it when Hurley's like, what about all that stuff about staying here and watching the, the sunrise? <laughs> I just love how he mentions the sun, like nothing else, but just like the, the, the sunrise. <laughs> what about the sunrise? Did you see um, and when, uh, when Jack gets there, neither Kate nor Locke is there, but the cable is still there and he decides to go in and he begins his descent after wrapping his hands as commented on earlier. Um, yeah, Jack turning up at the hatch with Locke gone, I think again was great writing. It was just a great way not to try and fit too much in the episode and just showing Jack's perspective of the situation. So, and it's, as, as we see from the next couple of episodes um out of order as well uh, as we come back to seeing kate and Locke from earlier but it's just great not knowing where either Locke or kate are and just seeing it from jack's perspective them already down there absolutely i agree um we then see an empty stadium where jack is running a tour de stade and we see someone else running faster than him doing the same thing which push- pushes jack to go harder and Jack eventually falls and injures his ankle. And right before that, though, right before we go into the very next thing, the voice we hear, I want to ask, um, I want to have Andy tell his story. Because you uh, you recreated this scene, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, Arthur was the photographer. Um, so I just say that um, <laughs> probably when we last went to Hawaii, I would say I'm sure Arthur's with me on this one, that the... The Honolulu Stadium tour that we got was probably one of the highlights of the trip. It was that really was good. Really good value as well. Um, yeah, we got a tour around the whole stadium. Um, we even got to go on the um, on the American football pitch um, field. Sorry, and, throw some balls around and throw some balls around and kick some field goals and stuff, which basically you would—it's unheard of in England. Uh, it's almost like uh, blasphemy, you could say, um, to touch a football pitch. Uh, to be allowed on it, it's uh, yeah, that's pristine. Only the footballers on game day can run around on that, um, or the gardeners. Uh, you'd never be allowed. Oh, really? On pitch. Yeah, it's looked after so well. Um, it might have yeah, had something basically. So I was going to say, it might have had something to do with it's uh, artificial pitch, and we don't really have artificial yeah. pitch in the, in yeah, the we, UK. Yeah, we we don't really have artificial pitches that much. But um, and yeah, basically, we just uh, I, I recreated it, and I just you you'd see me. Sat on the stairs, hurt, gripping my ankle, um, rocking, and after took a photo of just me pretending to be Jack. But we actually did that quite a lot where we were there. We went to locations and we just basically take pictures of like pretending to reenact scenes like proper losers. <laughs> myself back. <laughs> Maybe I should say all of this stuff on radio, but yeah. Although one of the photos has one of the photos has got my max, uh, my record retweets on, so I th- I'm pretty sure it's it's totally worth it. Oh, okay. And then we hear a voice ask, "I can't do. Th- I'm not going to do the accent." But he asks, "You all right, brother?" And um, I think um, we need to give Andrew a moment to drool over his boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah, and Desmond has finally appeared. And obviously, to be fair, at this point, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, this guy seems interesting. Uh, who is he? You know, I like how he kind of says this 
strange line of lift it up, but you don't really know what that means. Does it mean as in reference to the door of the hatch or is it uh, just a referencing to the ankle? Is it just trying to throw out a random line to keep you interested? But um, at this moment, I didn't actually think, you know, that much of him, obviously, because we've seen him for about a minute. Um, but obviously what he grows into and what he becomes as a character and as Andy and uh, Paul will know and as Arthur will learn, um, I do really love Desmond. Also, I should have I should put a shout out to uh, um, to Henry Ian Cusick. He actually turned 50 yesterday. Awesome. Uh, so uh, yeah. congratulations to him. 50 years old, still awesome as ever. Um, I really hope he comes to uh, the convention this year because... He does still live and base himself in Hawaii, so I, there's no really reason, any reason why he can't if he doesn't have any filming responsibilities. And if he does, I will be there 100%. I'll be there anyway, but uh, yeah, um, I will be drooling and nervous and probably crying. <laughs> <laughs> that, is that it? You're allowed there now, Andrew? Pardon? You're allowed to go now? Uh, well, this is the thing, because I said to Autumn, you know, um, we're getting married and stuff, and... Uh, you know, obviously, that's like my main priority. Obviously, um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, said, uh, I was like, I would quite in- like to go to the convention. She said, "Well, why don't we, you know, make it into a trip? You go for." So I'd arrive on a Thursday. The convention starts, I think, Friday, uh, runs through to Monday, and then she'd fly out um, maybe Sunday night. And she said she wants to kind of spend some time with uh, you, Andy, and j- just you know, hang out in Hawaii, do some traveling do some bits around oahu maybe and then we'll go to Kauai and uh, we'll do the big island and stuff so um that's that's kind of our plan right now so it nice. looks like it looks like i'm going to be there yeah oh how nice on your honeymoon your your wife wants to hang out with another man <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> well she, she's very she's very fond of him she likes him she thinks he's a really good guy so i love you too <laughs> Arthur, are you going to come to the wedding, or are you, are you not going to bother? Just going to go to Hawaii and then Andy just come on his own. Um, well, I think the plan is to come to the wedding, if that's okay. No, that's um, absolutely fine. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Well, that's why Awesome is coming to the football on Saturday. She really wants to hang out and meet you guys. So. Oh, that's sweet. But she's met Tony, but I don't think she she hasn't met you yet, Arthur. I don't think. No, I couldn't come to your. Well, was if it was at your birthday party. That's why I couldn't get yeah. to. I think that was might have been the last time Tony saw you guys. But I don't know. Yeah, Arthur. Yeah, Andy. That's the last time Tony saw Autumn, yeah. Um, tell Tony he's not allowed to wear tracksuit bottoms. He needs to look look good. Oh, yeah, Tony. Bloody take off the sweatpants, mate. You look like you're bloody, I don't know, sitting there in your pants watching football. You, you're going outside. Put some tell him to have a shave as well. Yeah. No, I love you, Tony. Yeah, we love you, Tony. We put on some trousers, mate. Put on some <laughs> I actually watched, I actually, going back to the episode, I was actually watching this episode with Tony. His his one his one input to the episode was uh, as soon as Shannon appeared was I think Shannon ruins this episode is what Tony said to me. <laughs> Maybe we should have like a sh- we should all we should go to Hawaii and, and and go out for dinner and just dedicate a whole hour to Shannon bashing. I think we should all get it out of our system, all get it out of our system, and then try and move on with our lives and just accept that Shannon happened. There's nothing we can do about that. Lost is still an amazing show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah until the next time you rewatch it, and then it'll be, oh, damn that, Shannon. <laughs> yeah. Well, you haven't got me on for a. Uh... Actually, no. Never mind. I think Shannon probably is my least favorite. I wasn't a big Charlotte fan either. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think Shannon's a little bit worse because she's a little bit more important, unfortunately. Um, going back to the episode now, you guys, of course, being in the UK, uh, Henry Ian Cusick having the Scottish uh, accent. Did you guys like? perk up a little or anything when you heard that like oh a, a, a fellow you know commonwealth man or something like that basically we disassociate ourselves just as much as the we do with the americans as we do with the scottish so not really <laughs> yeah we're, we're not really that friendly with scotland to be honest no wonder they wanted to leave you guys yeah they still do mate <laughs> yeah they still do <laughs> gee i wonder why yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and of course th- this strange man Desmond uh, examines Jack's ankle he tells him it isn't sprained but that Jack also won't be able to catch up with him and I just love Jack's thing of like I wasn't trying to in this game ga- uh, he's like yeah sure you weren't you know <laughs> yeah no he definitely was yeah yeah Jack Jack is just can't beat Desmond that's the that's the fact of that story I think he was waiting for a response from you there, Andy. Yeah, I'm just going to let that go. <laughs> and you know what? I was well, just... What are people's Andy. honest opinions here of Desmond? Wait, wait, I, just, I love the fact that he Andrew. goes, I'm going to let that go. Well, actually... You're <laughs> right. Well, well I, I was about to give you, Andrew, probably the biggest compliment anyone's ever given you. Right. Oh, come, and give, give me a you, compliment. Give me a compliment. And then you come at that. Right. Well, I promise. I, I promised something about your emotions earlier. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and what I wrote down here was, Desmond reminds me of you here, Andrew. So oh, easily, so easily oh, making. So, yeah, so easily making someone talk about their feelings, because he does. He goes straight to the point with the questions and goes straight to Jack. Oh it's a girl, isn't it? And then makes him talk about it. I was like, that reminds me so much of you. Just like, you're straight to the point. Like, get it out. Um, Yeah. That is a compliment. Thank you. Really quickly, right before that, can we go back a moment where the fact that he says that he was almost a doctor and Jack says small world. And I just wrote, this comment means more than he'll ever know. Yeah. Um, And we know what small world is, don't we, Andrew? Meeting each other in Thailand. Oh, yeah, we know. know. Um, he says he's training for a race around the world and, uh, Jack says he's working things out and then he says it's about a a patient. And I wrote, uh, even though it's about a patient, the Scottish man knows it's about a girl. And as Andy said before, because Andrew is in touch with his emotions, apparently that made him think of him. Um, (laughs) to be fair, fair, Paul, I am quite in touch with my emotions. In a good way, totally in a good way. No, 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 I know, I know. We all, we're all I, friends I, with you on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I am what you Who said that? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> no, no, I, I am what they call a modern man. I am, I am open to emotion. Yeah. Maybe that's why you're so short and can't grow a beard. <laughs> oh, no blow. <laughs> That was that was unnecessary. No, it was... <laughs> to, back, to back you up here, Andrew. I can't grow a beard either, but I'm I am tall, so I think I get away with it. Yeah, Paul <laughs> and I have enough beard to share between us all. I think. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys, you guys can grow a good beard. 
Um, uh, Jack says, but Paul, do you not do you, do you not like your emo- you not, you're not emotional at all? No, I actually, dude, I'm I'm a I'm a creative person. I'm a writer. I'm definitely an emotional person. Obviously, you, but, you well, you haven't been friends with me long enough to have seen all of my old stuff on Facebook where I used to post like poems and everything. <laughs> yeah. See, I've never posted a poem. I don't think. Oh, dude, I have like enough to make a book. <laughs> did, did Did you write your own poems? Yeah. Ah, cool. Were they depressing? That was like the most unenthusiastic cool ever. You're like, oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't don't think you'd catch Andy ever writing poems. He's pretty, you know, he's pretty mannish. To be fair, I said earlier, like about Locke and Jack, I'm like, oh, they're both manly men. I'm not. So, you know. I think the manliest of everyone here is definitely Andy, I think. I say I don't know I don't know Arthur that well, but I would still say Andy's probably the most manly. He's the most dominant. You should you should try living with him for <laughs> twenty years of your life. He just gets the T V every time. He just dot he's that's that older brother thing. He'll make you move. Hold yeah, on a second. Just I just went I just went for a wee and I came back and it was Andy bashing time. What <laughs> 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 no, we're just saying that you're the most manly. Yeah, we were. That is, yeah, that is actually what like... we were saying. <laughs> yeah. You've never watched, you've never seen me. Well, Arthur, you've never seen me watch the season finale of Lost. I'm in a, I'm in a puddle, a puddle of mess. <laughs> That's true. So wait, you want us but, to yeah. re- wait? Do you want us to take back the fact that you're the manliest? Is that what you were trying to say by that statement? Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, kind of. I'm not sure. I felt like we were yeah, all trying guys, to be. I don't as, want to be the most I, manly. It was always like we were trying to be as emotional as we can be. Um, yeah, I'm fine being manly. We, we, we can continue. <laughs> See, I, so to, 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 to give you a compliment, Andy, I think if we crash landed on an island, I think I'd look to you to be the leader. Yeah, that means a lot. Um. Okay, so uh, Jack says that he made the girl patient a promise that he couldn't keep, he couldn't fix her. And Desmond asks, what if he did? And they have an exchange because, you know, he's like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And Desmond's like, well, maybe I don't, but just think about it. What if you did? As I was watching it, and almost every time I watch it now, I always think that this sounds almost, it sounds extremely similar to the Locke and Jack interaction from White Rabbit. When, you know, Jack says, like, oh, I saw something in the jungle, but it can't possibly be. And Locke's like, but what if it was? And he goes, no, you don't know what you're talking about. He's like, yeah, I know, but, but just think about it. What if you did see what you think you saw? And I wrote, this further proves how signs are continuously thrown in front of Jack. Even conversations repeat, but he still can't let his guard down and believe. Yeah, I mean, you're, I, I'm so sorry that I keep going back to Jack. But, um, and you don't, so this line, and you don't believe in miracles from Desmond. And maybe it is because I'm a Jack fan, but these themes of the man of science, man of faith, not just in this episode, but through the whole series, but here especially, makes me truly believe that the story of Lost, I know there are a lot of characters, but it is the story of Jack. And everybody else is just sub-stories. And the Jack transformation of this man of science into this man of faith is the 
primary, the main arc, the most important plot line of all of Lost. But maybe I'm just a big Jack fan and that's why I love it so much. And I look more into that as the show. But I think his arc is... And, and this is perfect. This is all... This is the beginning of Jack's transformation. This flashback where he, he all of a sudden does this miracle. Um, as someone who is not that big a fan of Jack, I absolutely agree with everything you just said. I think the show is about him. He's the main character. The the as you said, the journey of him going from the man of science to the man of faith at the very end. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. The show is about him. It's his show. That's why he said for the longest time he uh, Matthew Fox said he knew what the ending of the you know the, like the final shot of the show was going to be and whatever because he is the star of the show. And I say that as a non Jack fan. So. There you go. And then my next line is Jack shouldn't wear bandanas. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Dreadful. <laughs> uh, then, of course, uh, Desmond says the line of lift it up. And I wrote, of course, the spiritual tones are there. But upon realizing Jack doesn't get it, he plays it off as talking about his ankle. And as Desmond is leaving, he uses the phrase, see you in another life. And again, much like the you know small world line, he has no idea how true that is. You forgot the brother. Yeah. Did he say? I don't think. Did he say brother at that point? He did. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. Oh, I'm a, I I I don't remember him saying it at that exact moment. But it's but it's, it's it doesn't really matter either way. It's oh yeah, the, that's uh, his line. Yeah. This is trademark. This is trademark, isn't it? This yeah. see you in another life, and it's uh, yeah, it's a good line. It really is. A, it's a great, yeah. It's a good, yeah. Just connects the dots. I don't think anyone answered my question earlier. What do you all think of Desmond? Oh, I love, oh, him. I love him. Yeah, we love him to pieces. I don't remember you asking yeah, that question, him. but yeah, no, yeah, good character. So, so why would you put Jack and other characters ahead of him? Why is it so much more important? <laughs> but as a character. As a character. Yeah. I don't like, think Desmond, I Desmond is a great character. I don't think he's actually got that much to him. Other than other than his love for Penny. He's basically, he only has love for Penny. And there isn't much, which is wait, fantastic. Wait. And that part of his character is great. But he doesn't have that much more to him. Wait, now, that reminds me just now of the last time we were talking. And we said that Sun and Jin didn't seem to have much other than the two of them and their father. Are you saying Desmond is almost equivalent to Sun and Jin in lack of motivation or lack of character in that way? I would almost say so. Sorry. But like you look at the other characters and Jack would have like he has he has his daddy issues. He has his he has his love for Kate or and his love for Juliet as they, and his love for Sarah as they change. He has his he has his struggles with with himself. He has his struggles with what he believes in. And and the same with like Sawyer. Sawyer has the same with his love for different for his love for the women through the show. He has his he has more humour. He has uh, raises his dick aspect to, to him in the early seasons. Um, whereas Desmond, basically, he's awesome. I, I, I hate to be... It sounds like I'm giving him back chat. I'm not. I'm just trying to say why I love characters more because I do love Desmond, but that's my feeling. Andrew, you go. No, no, no. That's, that's fair enough. Um, 
But uh, no, I mean, I I think I think because my f- most I think my favorite episodes have Desmond in them, and I think I love his uh, relationship with Penny. Um, my favorite scene of the whole show. I've referenced this in the previous podcast. Is uh, Constant season four at the end. Uh, that just sorry that brings out the emotion in me. Um, but I just love that scene. Um, I don't know. I just love how he he has this role in the show of bringing people together so, so they can move on. And I don't know something about Desmond. He he just he's almost like it's almost like the the world of Lost revolves around him in terms of not like the characters itself because I think they revolve around Jack. But I think the show, in terms of its maneuverability around timelines and different uh, sections. Um, I'm trying to explain what I'm trying to say, but I can't. No, I think uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. He's an extremely yeah. important character to the to the show. He is. Uh, yeah. Whether whether he's not actually whether even though he's not in that many scenes, his character is extremely important. He he makes a lot of important decisions that affect the way the show moves. Yes, that's the what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> You said it a lot more eloquently than I did, but no, just I just love Desmond as a character. I just think he's fantastic. I mean, he's he's great. I still wouldn't put him in my top three, though. Oh, who's your favorite character? Oh, um, Jack and Locke joint probably. I can't decide between the two. I have days conjoined twins. Days Where would you have them conjoined? <laughs> <laughs> at the bum, um, at the shoulder. At the lips. <laughs> <laughs> not, not Sorry, the lips. I'm not sure where I'm going on this. It's getting late. It's getting late. <laughs> I don't think I don't think there's a right answer to that question, Andy. Yeah, I don't I don't know, Andy. The way you talk about Jack, I think you want to be joined at the lips with him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doubting that. I'm not doubting that. <laughs> Other than the fact that Matthew Fox got done for beating his wife, or allegedly, I should say, allegedly. Oh, yeah, no, I'm going to take that part out. I'm just going to leave where you say, I don't doubt that. <laughs> um, in the hatch, Jack lands at the bottom, and he begins looking around. And for a bit, it looks like a cave. It's very unfinished, I thought, which is a little strange. Um, he moves in further, and he checks his gun to take the safety off, and he sees a pair of shoes sitting on the floor. I don't know why it's like the it's the stupidest mystery ever. But I just love the fact that like they're supposed, you know, at this point in season two, we want them, you know, beginning of season two. We want to know everything that's inside the hatch and whatever. And yeah, we want to know what's happening on the raft. But then they just put in this little thing of like, what's up with these shoes? You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. I just and love it was that. Just perfect suspense the whole time. Um, Jack walking through those tunnels. The only noise, um, for the most part, until obviously the music comes in later, was just dripping water and Jack's breathing. Um, it was just perfect tension. Yeah. I know, but that's why it confused me, because I was like, why would he take his shoes off because the floor's wet? You're going to have soaking wet socks. <laughs> no, but they're not his shoes. <laughs> they're uh, lock shoes. Yeah, lock shoes, yeah. Yeah, but why is he taking them off knowing the floor's wet? That's just stupid. That's just You're just going to get so- uh, smelly socks. I'm just saying that the practicalities of it are stupid. No, wait, wait, wait. You're right. You're right. right. But I remember the last time when Andy and I were saying, in regards to gin hitting rocks 
uh, with the golf club, we were like, oh, that's a terrible way to, you know, to ruin your golf clubs. And you're like, oh, I think you guys just overthink things. Now you're saying this about <laughs> about his wet socks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, wet socks are horrible. Nothing worse than wet socks, mate. I mean, I, I don't have a response. There's nothing to say. <laughs> there is a washing machine in the hatch, so he'll probably be all right. Yeah, to be fair, he's probably, maybe he saw it and thought, oh, well, I'll just get my socks wet and then I'll just give them a wash. To see yeah, I, need, I, re- I need a reason to clean them. <laughs> they're, not, they're not dirty enough as they are, me living on the island. I need to yeah, dirty them a bit so I can get that first wash really good. <laughs> yeah, nothing beats a good, good smelling sock, does it? To be fair, um, Jack keeps looking around and only sees a large amount of pipes and concrete until he sees a mural with the big 108 in the middle, which was painted in real life by series executive producer and director Jack Bender. Um, I, did, I, I knew that from reading Lostpedia, but um, I didn't know that before, and that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I mean, a cool I, painting. Yeah, um, and then he sees a. If you, ever, if you ever watched, if you ever watched any of the uh, um, bonus features on, I don't know which season it is, but Jack Bender is actually one hell of an artist. Uh, oh, yeah. they, there's a tour around one of his studios at one point. Um, yeah, and he he was very sort of like um, just throwing paint off a brush at the wall, uh, half well, of the, the stuff. Which the painting. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, I believe the painting later of the dog in the cabin, that's not only his dog, but I believe he painted that as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you're right. <clears throat> um, Jack then sees a... I, don't, I, I didn't know what to write other than a strange section that when he gets closer, the key around his neck is magnetically drawn to it. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think, yeah, I don't think anybody realized how important this this will become but the but still the the mystery they put in every every second of his walk through this hatch every single frame is almost a new question isn't it? it's like what's his paintings on the wall why are there shoes on the floor why does it look like it's why he's just in the tunnel what's this what's this why is there magnetism here and then obviously as it pans into the next bit which i'll let you describe it's just every single second it's just mystery mystery question question yeah um, then I wrote the song from the beginning is blasted again as Jack begins to freak out with multiple camera angles switching to disorient us. Yeah, well, that's, I think that's how he's feeling, isn't it? It's just like all over the place, isn't it? What the hell he's doing? Again, and there's a really significant camera pan here onto the computer. Uh, obviously not knowing now how important this computer becomes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he the bright light is shown in his face, and then he ducks into another room where he spots the computer. And I wrote, if we hear, if we listen very faintly, we can hear Kate yelling through the music. Which, yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that, but I read that on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, as he approaches the computer, the record scratches again as Locke tells him not to approach it. And Jack, I love the fact that Jack pulls the gun on him because he has such, such hatred for Locke 
for always questioning him and all these things that he immediately figures no matter what happened, because Locke is so interested in this thing, he's just like immediately going to hold Locke at gunpoint and be like, what happened to Kate? Where is Kate? Tell me. Because like, for so- I-, I don't know if it's maybe in his mind he thinks that Locke immediately like assimilated with whatever is down there. But I just love the fact that his hatred is so strong for Locke that he's just like, where's Kate? You, I know you have something to do with it, basically. Yeah, I hadn't really realized until watching it this time around, because I had a question earlier that I wrote down, and then this answered it, was what was Jack's motivation for now going to the hatch? And this just explains oh, that he's literally there for Kate and Kate alone. He doesn't have, He's there because he wants Kate to be safe, which I think is quite sweet, actually. And I never really realized it, and they don't really push that on you. Obviously, he's here shouting, where's Kate? But he, he is just there for Kate, and I think that's quite nice. Well, yeah, no, I was just going to say, well, I just find it interesting that he was all for, you know, <laughs> promising and keeping everyone safe. And then as soon as Kate puts herself in danger, he abandons everyone and she she comes first above all else. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting, yeah. If you were looking over after 40 people in autumn ran off, you'd probably run after autumn, right? Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, autumn always comes first. So, um, yeah, of course, I would... I would uh, I'd make sure she was okay, but the Orson wouldn't wouldn't just run off like that though. <laughs> she's got <laughs> yeah. I've got her under control. Whoa. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I know. She runs wild, that girl. <laughs> and the one on a leash. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I am on a leash. <laughs> yes. Whatever whatever Orson says I, I tend to listen to. Um, when Locke, I'm sorry, when Jack is holding the gun on Locke, the man from the beginning has a, has a gun on Locke. Uh, we see it very briefly. Um, in flashback, Sarah wakes up and questions if she's alive. I, it's a very familiar line in the show. It it hasn't really been, uh, I think this might be the first time it's brought up the line of like, am I alive? But I just love the fact that that became like a recurring thing kind of in the show. Yeah, I know Charlie says it, doesn't he? I think in the season three finale, he says it as well. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I, uh, I definitely notice that, that that happens a lot. Um, but what was what were you saying, Paul? Again, what was the scene again? Oh yeah, um, I I find it funny as well that he uh, he smells so bad. <laughs> I, lo- I love I love how she's like you know she's just come out of this serious like life-altering operation and she's like oh hang on actually you smell terrible <laughs> <laughs> he must smell really bad for that, that, that well, just, i love the fact that he's like well i i tried to shower like how bad is he at showering if he still smells that bad <laughs> it is true though if you ch- shower and then you kind of go straight outside and don't have a chance to cool down and like your armpits to sort of dry out and then put apply that you you do smell bad See, I, that would require me to go outside. I don't know what that's like. Are you not a very outsidey sort of person, Paul? No, not at all. So when you when you go to work, and then you come back, what, what do you do after work? What's what's your sort of? Do you just what do you do? I watch TV on the computer. I'll watch, I'll watch YouTube stuff. I'll read articles on Wikipedia anymore. I'm almost always editing podcasts or trying to get people to record podcasts or sleeping or eating. 
Interesting. It's really not. Well, when we go to, when we go to <laughs> Hawaii... All I, do is, all I do is go to the pub or I'm at home watching TV. That's basically me. I live the student lifestyle. I'm pretty much with Autumn whenever I'm at home, so... Yeah, but you She's guys always go out and do things. Yeah. But no, you well, said yeah, about when so. we go back to Hawaii, I definitely plan on... I mean, you know, when we were there, I was like, um, I was almost rarely ever in my room. I was, you know, wanting to be out with people and go different places or whatever. So this time, you know, okay. I definitely, um, you know, I, and I even said, I believe I said it the last time, the fact that, uh, you know, I didn't go in the ocean. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. When we were all on the beach, I just stood there. And, you know, so I definitely plan on, like, being a more outside person when I'm there because I'm not going to go to Hawaii and spend the entire time like in a hotel room. That's just stupid. Yeah, no, we should go and explore and uh, have some fun. Yeah, we should, we should make sure we get a gang and all, all have enough people, have enough rental cars for like everybody and just go see the island together for one day. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, Jack says he's sorry, but he couldn't fix Sarah and he begins to sob. And then she asks if he's joking because she can wiggle her toes. And he's incredibly confused, but he checks her feet and her legs and she can feel everything. They're both so happy. Jack has just experienced a miracle, but he still can't seem to realize it. Yeah, I wrote down that he had his Jesus moment uh, in the show. Well, because I think and I also wrote down um, Jack is good at fixing everything but himself. Yeah. Which, which he is, finally uh, does. Which he finally yeah, does. Which, which he does finally do, obviously, towards the end of the show. But at this point in time, we're just like, oh, Jack, look, you, can, you seem to be able to do everything, but you still not got your shit together. Um, and, uh, and I think that's almost why he's like... I mean, he is the natural leader, for sure. But I think oh, another reason why he's made himself the leader is because um, he he wants something to detract from the fact that he doesn't have um, everything going correctly in his own mind. And he's kind of using that as a, a way of um, dealing with it, shall we say. Yeah. To be fair, I did take a note here as well saying um, Jack is constantly obsessed with something. And as much, yeah. as much as Jack has great moments in this episode, this also isn't the best episode for Jack. Jack is shown to be an obsessive, compulsive person in this episode. Um, basically at one of his yeah, worst points, I think. Um, but also at his best. Um, but he does cool down later on. Like There are some moments in season three, and season, mainly season three, and then obviously where, where he cools down and he's a bit more of a laugher. Um, but yeah, he's very uptight in this episode. Well, it's because I think kind of yeah. towards the middle of the series, he... I mean, he's, you know, we said before about the fact that he's the leader and he definitely maintains the leader role or the, not the leader role, but the main character role throughout the entire show. But towards the middle of the, of the show, he kind of takes a back seat in terms of yeah, being a leader. Five. Season five, he's nowhere to be seen. He's like, he's just the janitor in the background, isn't he? In Dharmaville, he's, um, yeah. Well, I even love that. I think that's what makes it great that they can do that with their main character. They shift, they shift the, the responsibility onto Sawyer for a season, uh, Sawyer and Locke, and it's just fantastic writing, and it works so well. But I like and then that. Jack comes back in season six as a new character. 
because I like I like that they do that to to Jack because it kind of humanizes him, yeah, and it kind yeah. of um, it makes it makes season six Jack, and when he kind of comes back to the fore of being you know the one to save everyone, it makes it it impacts you so much heavier because in season five he was so, um, oh he he had taken such a backseat to Sawyer, so it's not he was he wasn't he didn't just take a backseat he was broken he. He'd, he'd gained his faith that we were been waiting for him to have so much about coming back to the island. Then he came back to the island, and he was like a bit like John was. His faith was just like I've just got this faith, and it means nothing, and I, I, I my life is worthless. And then he has to fight again to get that faith back. Um, but this is more. Of, now we're just talking about Lost as a whole, as opposed to um, this episode. But yeah. Um. The only other thing I have, though, in regards to this this miracle of she's fixed, and it was something that um, I believe Andrew said it earlier um, uh, in regard when she said about that she wanted to dance at her wedding, and you you know you feel a little like sad for her in that moment. And I had said, but realistically, if you take a step back, you you know what happens, and that's what I put. I said we we also as the audience should have known this due to seeing her early earlier in the series and she made a point to say that he fixed her so but i think what they do really well you uh andy you just said about the writers and you know what they could do they can kind of manipulate in that way is that we know that like we've seen that episode we know that she you know gets married to jack she walks and dances and everything else at their wedding but we're so invested in everything that's happening at this exact moment that that drifts away from our minds unless we really really think about it that drifts away to the point where you're like holy crap a miracle just happened this woman can walk again and then you you know you take a second and you go well wait i already knew that man these writers are good yeah i'm with you i'm with you mate um, in the hatch, the, the mysterious man tells Jack to drop the gun or he'll shoot Locke. But all Jack cares about is Kate and the man shoots randomly above Jack, above Jack's head, which we see at another point. And then Jack taunts Locke once again. And he says about, you know, oh yeah, what, what was that Locke? All roads lead here, you know? And, uh. Then the man demands that Jack lower the gun again before saying he'll blow Locke's head off before adding the word brother. And Jack knows... I'll blow his damned head off, brother! <laughs> <laughs> that was really good, actually. <laughs> um, Who was that? That was me. How was it? Well, that was pretty good, to be fair. Um, Jack knows this familiar voice and he sees the the man's face and it's Desmond from the stadium years ago. Jack recognizes him. And that's how we end the season premiere of season two of lost. I've just got Desmond written in capital letters with loads of exclamation marks as my note there. I just love how, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about this. And obviously, you know, um, it adds to the show to obviously for Jack to say, oh, you. But do you, any of you think you would actually recognize them? For just so one chance? So. You see, I've you got see that done in my notes. You see an orientation that say, Jack got... wasn't actually sure that he knew him. Jack did have to be jogged. He saw him and said, I recognize you, but I don't know who you are. 
And it's only like orientation where he really realizes who he is. He's like, I know you. I'm not sure where from, but I know you. It's more what it is in this episode. Because, I mean, I think all, all of us, obviously, on a daily basis, apart from Paul, because he's obviously in his room in front of a laptop, um, meet <laughs> Ralph. <laughs> to be fair, I work in I work in a grocery store, I, customer service. I work. I have a lot of interactions with a lot of people. I just choose to not interact with people outside of work. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, no, well, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. I was just joking. But, um, no. Yeah, no, we, we all interact with people on a daily basis, so just uh, in short flashes of time. Um, but I don't know if I would recognize any of them again if I saw would them. You, would you so, say that those people were flashes before our eyes? Oh. Uh, you know, when, I, when I said that, I genuinely... Too witty, about... too witty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think... You teed uh, me off there, Andrew. I, <laughs> I did. But you oh, know, I, I think Arthur's right in writing it in his notes, because I... I I don't think I would have recognized him. But, I mean, obviously it adds to the show that, you know, we've just seen in a flashback that they've known each other or known of each other, so. I don't know. I think you would. You hurt your ankle in a stadium. And Desmond says some pretty profound things to him. Saying, what if you did do a miracle? And then he does do a miracle. And I think I think we're supposed to think that that moment meant a lot to Jack. Yeah. So I think Jack yeah, that's true. Yeah, he probably would have remembered. That's true. That's fair. But it was so long ago. He he dated that woman, married that woman, was married to that woman, divorced her, and still had a lot of time well, before he got to like the three, island. It could only have been like three years ago because Desmond was only on the island. Well, Desmond was on it for two or three years, wasn't he? And he would have only trained for that race a year. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, Jack I mean... cut off all his hair. But had to have been... <laughs> Either way, Desmond is a fantastic character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had this idea, a look at Lostpedia. And uh, Andy, I know you said you kind of went through Lostpedia when you were taking your notes, but I thought if you guys wouldn't mind, we can read out some of like the trivia and the production notes and all sorts of stuff like that, maybe stuff that we missed. Um, sure. Can I start with just one, which you're probably gonna, is going to be your first one? That this was the this was this had the most views on ABC of any lost episode with twenty three point four seven million. So we watched uh, most were so commented the most viewed episode. People were so intrigued though from what was inside the hatch. Like it's referenced to in a lot of movies, like uh, I can't remember what film it was, but there's a there's a scene where they say, um, I know, I know it's, it's I love you, man. And, yeah, I, was just thinking, I know. I'm like, I know he's gonna say, "I love yeah. you, man." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's referenced to in that, and then it's just like he's like, "Oh yeah, my, you know, the girlfriend wanted to know what was inside the hatch." Like it was, it was a real big thing. It was a huge thing at the time about you know what is inside this hatch, and we had to wait for so long, obviously. And um, I think that's probably another reason why it kind of had that swell of uh, uh, excitement, and you know, people wanted that to quote Andy, "Lost Rush." Yeah. Well, to be fair, that, most that, shows that get a second season, especially a show with a mystery like this or that ends on a huge cliffhanger, at least in America, the se- not necessarily the season two premiere, but season two tends to be their highest rated season out of any season anyway because um, 
you know, they they everybody hears everything throughout season one. Then people have the summer to catch up if they didn't watch it. So then everybody's ready for season two. And even if you didn't watch season one, you hear how amazing this show was. So then, you know, season two and again, not just this show, but almost any like drama show. But uh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the, the premiere was the highest rated, that's a little um, little strange to me. But uh, makes sense. Are we I all guess. in agreement, or is it just me um, that seasons one and two are the two best series? Oh no, you liked season three, didn't you, Andrew? Sorry, we spoke about this last time. Well, like like I said, Andy, I follow you in quite a lot of my thoughts to his loss, and I think season one and two are definitely the best two. Yeah, they're just phenomenal. Every every minute is just mind-blowingly good. I mean, they're definitely up there, and despite the fact that it has some of my least favorite episodes, I might have to go with season three because there's a lot more others stuff happening, and they give you a little bit more of like the mysteries of the island, which was at the time that's what I was more interested in. Was yeah, what I was agree going with on that. with the island, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. But I just think season two, season one, and two, season one. To be honest, I think. Um, was perfection basically and season two carried on from that um and but added more i think there were some moments that weren't quite as good but i think there were moments that were better as well i think better and what i think yeah i think seasons one and two were just phenomenal season five not enough yeah, did you not pour cereal while you're talking about it though <laughs> sorry i'm just making myself a sandwich you're the smallest guy and you eat the most. <laughs> I know, I do eat a lot. I'm just hungry. When I talk this much, I eat. I eat. Yeah, to be fair, I've eaten a whole bar of dark chocolate from, from Prague. Oh, there you go. Okay, so uh, let's start out, uh, well, after um, a- uh, Andy's note, but the, the trivia section, which I didn't realize this. Um, again, this is the look at Lostpedia. During the opening scene, Jack and Locke can be seen in the lens of the telescopes and in the reflection of the mirror before the big reveal of the camera panning up toward them. I never noticed that, but I think at that point we all kind of knew yeah. kind of what was happening anyway. I definitely didn't the first time I watched it, but I do have seasons one to six on Blu-ray. They have been watched quite a few times. You definitely can see that. And uh, this episode was rated TV-14. Now, previously when we've talked about Lostpedia things, Jake likes to point out the fact that they they note the ratings and, like, why were they different. Um, And I would assume – now, I don't know how ratings quite work over there. I was just about to stop you there, Paul. Um, Basically, I don't know what TV-14 means. I imagine it means you have to be 14 years old to watch it, but we don't rate TV shows um, on TV, so – you just watch no, it. you just guys, you you guys just have uh, pre and post watershed, right? That's all that there is. Yeah, come nine o'clock, you can say whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then they have the section production notes. This is the only season premiere of the series not to include Sawyer. Didn't know that. Oh my god, this episode didn't have Sawyer in it. Did not know that. Oh, of course he didn't. He's on the raft. <laughs> yeah, now it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> All of the noise afterwards, though. Yeah, that was me being a thick, being really thick. Yeah, obviously it doesn't have Sawyer in. Malcolm David Kelly's name is restored to the main credits for his guest appearances this season as Walt. Um, that happened a few times in season one whenever Claire 
wasn't there. Emily DeRaven's uh, name was removed from the credits, so I guess every time Walt appears in the few ones here, Malcolm David Kelly shows up. What? Yeah. Um, Why did they do that? It really, it kind of annoyed. It was one of the things through Lost and other TV shows, mainly Lost, because that's the only one I've really had a a big input in outside of watching it week to week. But if you're a cast member, you have to be listed there, which means like you watch this episode. And this is oh Michelle Rodriguez, and now you know that she's going to be a main character in the show, and it's almost like a spoiler that you weren't asking for. But I suppose you do have to go out your way to look for it. But it seems unnecessary that. They need to be listed there. They should only really be listed in episodes they're in. Well, is um, it in? Is it in season four where they've got? Is Mike? Does Mike? Yeah, Mike comes up back before, at the beginning. Therefore, you yeah. yeah, you know, you know, Harold Perrineau is going to be in it, and he doesn't come back to episode. Yeah, it's silly. There's a big spoiler. That's, yeah, yeah you know no, Mike. I. I agree. That's that's an American thing. I don't under and it's 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 odd because like certain things. Um, it, it depends on how the contracts go. Unfortunately, it probably comes down to, to politics and it's that they are contracted. They're saying, I want my name on the credits. I want credit for this. Oh, here's a, the la- uh, this will be the last one that I read, though. Um, the song Make Your Own Kind of Music plays for one minute and eight seconds before the record player is stopped by the explosion. Oh, that's clever. That is fun. Yeah. I love that. I like that. That is yeah. good. That is really good. Yeah, that's clever. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's gonna um, sum us up. So uh, I forgot to ask you guys if you're planning on going back to Hawaii later this year. Lost Con 2017. Yeah, well, Andrew's wedding um, is the week before. So, <laughs> what was that noise? <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. That was my, so, yeah. That was my excited a... noise for my wedding. Yeah, no, fair enough. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. So Andrew's getting married. Is it? It's in the Minnesota area, is it? Minneapolis around there? September 30th. September 30th. So I can't But remember, that. you have to be there. You have to arrive the Friday yeah. because we have the rehearsal dinner. Yeah, definitely. So I've got to be there. And then, I mean, we haven't got tickets for the Lost... Is it called the Lost Con? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a yeah, reference to so. Con. Yeah, which is an episode we might be on. Yeah, so we should be going back. Uh, yeah, well, I'll be going with Andy, yeah. We've booked, I think we've, we've started started planning ahead. We've booked our return flights back. Um, can't we wait. We still need to book our flights to, to Andrew's wedding, but that'll be done soon. Promise. Yeah. Thank you, promise. For me, personally, I, I should be going. So I obviously will be off well, to, to your wedding the or to the... <laughs> <laughs> I should be at the wedding. I'm pretty sure I'll be at the wedding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so the, obviously I'll be at the wedding. And then uh, I should fly out to Hawaii a few days earlier than autumn to go to the convention with you guys. Uh, to do all my geeky stuff with you and hang out and have a really good time, hopefully. And then um, obviously autumn will fly out and then we'll go and do our own thing. So, um, yeah, my plan is uh, to be there. I'm like uh, 89% sure I'll be there. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think that might do it for this episode, unless we have anything else that we wanna we wanna say. Other than Jack's a great character, Desmond is great because we know all that. We covered it. Anything else? Anything new? 
Um... <laughs> <laughs> Great Sorry, debut. I, I, I think, I, I, think I took it away from you. <laughs> so a good debut from my brother Arthur. Cheers, buddy. Um, okay, before we go, do you guys have anywhere that they can follow you on Twitter or, you know, any other social media, things like that, if people want to keep up the conversations going with each of you? Arthur. Um, I'll go. Uh, I'm on Twitter at RTPC94. I'm not active, really. Um, I'll retweet the occasional thing to do with football. Uh, um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I'm, well, you can get me on Facebook. Just friends with Paul Andy Cornforth. Um, and also, I said this last time, check out my YouTube channel. I've got some lost remixes on there from from quite a few years ago. Uh, I do occasionally put out new ones. I just released a new Game of Thrones remix. You might enjoy it if you like that sort of music. Um, but that's me. You know, he's got I'm a sorry, piece through before... Superior Fire... Sorry, I was going to I was gonna say he's going to do a piece through Superior Firepower one coming soon. Yeah, I should do. I should do. You know, I listened to your uh, to your Fringe one the other day. Yeah, because I'm actually I'm rewatching. It's the first time I've, I'm ever rewatching Fringe. I only watched it f- through the first time, and I never rewatched it. But I finally bought the box set, so I'm rewatching it. So I listened to that one the other day. I loved it. Thanks, buddy. Andrew. Um, and uh, yeah, so as as I said last time um, on Facebook, I'm also friends with Paul. Um, you can find me under Andrew Hayward. And uh, I am quite active on Twitter, as you know, Paul. But um, nine out of ten tweets are about football and in particular forest and are very depressing but you can contact <laughs> me you can contact me through that and like i said before um please do get in contact i love talking about lost and uh i'll uh, engage in a conversation with anyone about it so just uh, give us a shout and uh, yeah we can chat um okay so before i end it let's uh everybody give a round of applause for arthur for his first appearance on lost with friends thank you so much and of course thank you to andy and andrew for joining us once again hope to have all of you back soon um and i think i will end it with the traditional thank you namaste and good luck thanks paul thanks paul. cheers paul I actually had to defend the finale the other day at work to somebody else. I'm a big lover of the finale, but at my, what, um, one of my good mates, James, uh, he was a massive Lost fan as well when it was out. He uh, he absolutely hates the finale. And it's very it's very hard to talk to because we have such conflicting views about a lot of Lost. We both love it, um, but very conflicting views about it. And... I try so hard to convince him that it's good, that it's good, but James was uh, a bit like you guys, like you said earlier about the answers, a bit, in my opinion. I know you'll probably listen to this, James. I love you, uh, but just too driven by the mystery and too driven by the answers that you want, um, that he doesn't give enough enough credit to Lost just solely for the characters. And I believe the show of Lost was about the characters. And we had a resolution of these characters at the end. And I think that was the most important thing. And I'm sure all three of you agree with me there. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it. Yep, I agree. Absolutely. Yep. But, yeah. I, well, that you was the that thing. Bit in it, Paul? Paul, oh, of course. You that bit in it? Because my yeah. mate James will listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
of course the the guy that I was talking to not not the person I referenced earlier but uh, somebody else because uh, I was talking about you know the fact that I'm taking the vacation later this year and whatever and, and lost and a few other people were like oh if you want to talk about lost you talk to him and they all just all point at me and I'm like yeah you know I'm like I'm a I'm a big fan and the one guy and the guy who goes. He goes, did you guys like the finale? And they were like, well, we haven't seen it in a while. They were like, but yeah, we kind of liked it. And he goes, I felt like I wasted six years of my life. And I just, I, I turned away. I couldn't even, I couldn't yeah. even, because I knew if I went, because I wasn't even punched into work yet. I got there a little early and was just sitting around. And I knew that if I started, I would have gone on and probably talked through my entire shift. <laughs> Yeah, I feel the same way. I can't stand the people with that attitude. I wasted six years. What are you talking about? It's one episode. The Lost isn't about the ending. It's about the journey you take while you watch it. If you, oh, oh my fuck. god, yes! People like that, people like, people like that are fucking idiots. Um, I like that passion. That yes. Except the use of the f word. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that episode was sizzling, wasn't it? For more content like this, how about you subscribe to the channel down below? While you're there, how about you like this particular episode and share it with your friends?